somebody sends you something in the mail and you just plug it into your network and put all your money into it? Welcome to episode number 169, dude, of the Grumpy Old Men's Podcast for Friday, June 18th, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I have some coconut whipped cream in my coffee, and I'm ready to go. And from America's left coast, where caffeine is my drug of choice, and I have overdosed. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Yeah, but you detoxed. I mean, you, you, well, that was the plan. I, I I knew that I don't. The problem is we we do a show every couple days, and so I don't have enough time. Normally, it takes a full week to fully detox, and I did not get enough time. And so you might be able to tell from the fact that my voice is fast, a uh, little hyper right now. Uh, to 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 recap what I told you before the show, um, I I was getting up to the point where my caffeine tolerance was such that uh, I was drinking close to a full pot a day, and while Drug tolerance can go up and up and up, uh, and, and I haven't found a cap for that. Um, the tolerance of my digestive tract, however, does have a limit, and that limit was met somewhere before a full pot of coffee a day. And I needed to reduce my tolerance so that I could drink less coffee and not die. So, of course, what do you do when you want to go off of a drug? You stop cold turkey. So, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday were rough for me. And uh, today... I started out, I had my first pot, cup of coffee, and of course, you know, that hardly did anything. And so I poured myself a second one and I sipped it while researching notes. And then I poured myself a third one going, man, I did it do anything at all. And then I thought, you know, I should wait on it. And about 15 minutes later, the third cup of coffee is untouched. And whoa, baby. Well, I was going to say, this isn't really a great like double blind test or anything, but the trolls in the troll room, is he sounding? A little bit more like foam boy he's talking a little faster today isn't he i think so i think you're talking a little bit faster like maybe the caffeine's getting in now and you're getting like wow i really ooh, this is good no you, you do worry not though because i've got about an hour like this and then the crash will come yes the and crash. then i'll be talking slow well then people can listen at 1.5 speed <laughs> the way yeah, the it, way that sir gene wants everybody to li- <laughs> cold acid thinks you've been replaced Maybe by a phone boy. <laughs> you, you never can't tell. Uh, but you know, I guess. Well, I mean, as as any good drug user knows, screwing with your own body chemistry for science is, is a time-tested tradition. And for some reason, there doesn't seem to be any keto coffee creamer on the market, at least that I can find. Maybe just not in my store. Well, and there's plenty of sugarless coffee creamer. It's all got uh, sucralose or something, and it tastes like ass. Yeah, that's no good. That is no good. But there are... Like, I'm like, you know what? There's these ice creams that we've bought that are keto friendly, which are high in fat. They, they use sugar alcohol rather than sugar, and they don't have any carbs in them. So they're, uh, yeah, anything that involves alcohol, I'm in. Yes. Yeah, so you're like sugar alcohol. Woo. Uh, but it just doesn't absorb like sugar alcohol. My two favorite things. Yes. those oh. two, Right. It's like you put these two things together. They should be great. 
So I'm just like, oh, just buy a little bit of the uh, the whipped cream. And that's just goes in the coffee now. It's just like a coffee cream. I don't know why somebody's missing out because all these morons like myself included are like, well, how do we do all of this stuff with low carb and low sugar? And see, I, I honestly don't understand your dilemma, mainly because I drink my coffee black. Yes. Phone boy says there is heavy whipping cream as well. Um, but I mean, even, not just for coffee, for the whole dietary thing, the uh, you want to go buy when you're having burgers. You know, I still like to have them. Oh, I drink bun. my burgers black, too. Yeah. The burgers just char those babies up. But, you know, burgers just sit on the plate. Is surprisingly low in carbs. It is. It is. It is. It's maybe a carcinogenic, but that's a different story. But if you want a burger on a bun, well, the buns you buy are the horrible part. You could eat all the hamburger you want. It's the buns that are bad for that particular diet. And if you want to buy keto buns, they exist. I mean, some are Ugh. like sandpaper and some are uh, actually decent, but they're like 10 times the price of a normal bun. So I, I have tried those. And if I might make a recommendation that is is more palatable than the keto buns, although not quite tortilla. Yes. Um, there are tortillas. There are low carb tortillas that actually taste pretty decent. And you can wrap a burger in a tortilla with with the, you, you sticking up vegetables in there. You get bulk like lettuce, tomato, whatever. Of course, it, the it, keto it can, products are garbage. Phone boy. That's no. the point. The thing to watch out for is that a tortilla does not have the absorption that a, a real bread <laughs> bun does. And therefore, you are going to have grease dripping down your hands. Just be prepared for that. Yes, no, we've like when, either either have a paper towel or a dog handy when there. Yeah, we don't have the dog, so the paper towel. But we've done the low carb tortilla thing. They're out a lot now at the store, which sucks. I mean, all this supply chain stuff. Let's ignore all this stuff going on. But yeah, I went from making burgers more to let's take just the ground beef or some chorizo, even better, and just make kind of a you know throw a little burrito together because the chorizo, cheese, a little bit of lettuce with a low carb tortilla. It's absolutely delightful. And I know comic strip blogger, if he's listening right now, loves the diet slash keto talk. So CSB, get on it and uh, get some donations out to us. Uh, we know you'd like yes. the, the keto talk. And, and all, all I'm going to say, the last thing I want to say on the diet thing is that for the ultimate legal high, uh, just go completely cold turkey on coffee for several days and then chug. <laughs> chug two cups and you are back in the saddle again well i'm upright i'll tell you that much well that's good that's good i mean you're not even in a chair you're just you're just fidgety and standing up i no i'm 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 sitting with my you know knees bent in front of me i just there's just no chair behind me i'm just you know holding that position you are great for the abs yeah you are pumped and uh i mean there was some breaking news which i thought was pretty interesting uh scarlett johansson thinks her uh, character black widow was sexualized i mean did, no, did anybody way. not? Did anybody not see the costumes they had her in? This is she's been playing this character for like a decade. Yeah, I think her double D cups are sexualized. What about the rest of it? <sighs> yeah, I know. I I just saw this, and then I'm just like, really? And you know, of course, she's talking about how great it is to move on from all of this. But you know, I don't understand why these folks want to continue to deny the science. Biology is a science still, right, guys? I mean, is anybody in the troll? Has, has a biology been uh, deemed not a science? But the last hey, I checked, part of biology yes, by was Google. You know, the law of attraction. And uh, men sexualize women and women sexualize men. If you think that's only a one-way street, 
you're not hanging out with the right women or chick. I was going to call them um, the right you- chicks, and then I, I censored myself, thinking they don't like to be called chicks. But uh, I'll go back. Some to that. of them do. <laughs> right. I have been told. You know, it's better than uh, you know, ma'am. No, no, you you're 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 misunderstanding. See, in the new def- in the new world where everybody has to be equal no matter what, that includes men and women. It's why it's so easy to move back and forth because there are now that we have readjusted the anti racist science, men and women are precisely identical and therefore cannot any differences whatsoever must be stamped out like like deciding which one you're attracted to. <laughs> You know, and this has been going on I mean, for so long, especially and maybe a lot of people don't realize this if you're not into comic books. And we know the folks over at Rare Encounter, Abel Kirby and Cold Acid, they love this kind of stuff. You go back and look even at the comic books in the 50s, the way that the females are drawn and especially then in the superhero comics. um, Yeah, there's it's not it's not subtle in any way, shape or form. So. you know, Scarlett Johansson is uh, is surprised, I guess, that or was mad about this. And well, I just don't some get it. People don't aren't are shielded from what's actually happening out in the world by a, a large set of woke handlers. And uh, it, it you you can see this with celebrities when they finally really dig into social media. It's happened a lot lately of people going, wait a minute, you you mean that I'm not universally adored and worshipped out here well yeah somebody like chrissy teigen who is being just uh raked over the coals i mean probably rightfully so but it's interesting and it's entertaining when somebody that was that far left that was all about the cancel culture is then having it happen to them which i think if the world works on any kind of logic and maybe it doesn't anymore this is where these things start to break down because people realize no matter what you've all done something that if somebody puts it under a microscope and points to one thing you said in a you know a angry outburst that maybe lasted 10 seconds and then you went oh sorry about that man i was just pissed maybe you haven't had coffee in three days yeah. then yeah. Uh, or, or an angry outburst that lasts the entire length of a grumpy old ben's episode well that's called entertainment though well, yeah, it's called Grumpy Old Ben's. Yeah, it's it's for your entertainment dollar. These are not necessarily the viewpoints we hold. They are simply the viewpoints we held at the time for the uh, purpose of doing. I, it's a podcast. not necessarily a, the, the things that I'm saying on this show are not necessarily the viewpoints I hold right now. They are just the things I'm saying on this show. And it's up to the it's an exercise left to the reader to determine, does he really believe that? Or he's, is he saying that to troll me or is he saying that to troll his co-host? Because all of those have happened. Maybe that's possible. And I was on with Chris from the Abs in a Six Pack show and his co-host, Caleb. I finally got to talk to more than one of the hosts of that show. And Wait, I, whoa, 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 whoa. When did they get another host? See, there were three of them. I mean, I, this is the first time I've heard more than Chris. And I, I did say to Caleb, you know, I, I for a while I thought you were just one of the voices in Chris's head, and I was glad that he was actually a real person. But it uh, it's still uh, it, the, the funny uh, thing is, I think the last time Caleb was on that show was was the show that I was on, and and I made the same comments. I'm like, wait, there's another host. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the they like to bring in the big guns for the grumpy old Bens when we come and, into and the that show, show. Was three times better for having three times the hosts. It always is. And that, I mean, it means there's less soundboard and less Alex Jones appreciation for, uh, for the podcast 
And I did like that you noticed that I totally sent Chris off the rails, which is not easy to do. Sir Seat Sitter <laughs> just rolls with things without a problem, except he was playing all the Alex Jones stuff. And I'm like, oh, did, did Alex Jones finally get the, all the uh, fan mail of you offering to fillet him? And he was just like, didn't know what to say to that. So he, he, he did. He he kind of skipped the track on that one. Yeah, maybe there. Maybe I got a little too close to home. So I'm sorry, Chris, if I if I. Yeah, what, you, you do the, have that effect on people. If I let the cat out of the bag or, you know, whatever that is. But it was a lot of fun. Well, I, I, I don't mean to. I mean, I, I like Alex Jones as much as the next guy. Well, OK, not if the next guy is, is seat sitter. But um, <laughs> his show has more Alex Jones than the Alex Jones show sometimes. Yes. Just saying. Yeah, you got to tamp I, that down a little. But it was if weird. you're into that, great. But if there's a conversation going on. OK, you know what? I'm not here to to shit on other people's podcasts. That's your job. So no, I'm going to shut up until you. There are other podcasts about that. Do that whole thing. You know, and I'm not I'm not. I liked talking to Caleb and to Chris. And over the 90 minutes, there were multiple times where, though, I it was something weird going on because they would say things. And then I would respond and I'd be making a point and I'd be going on and I'm thinking this doesn't feel like a podcast to me. And then I realized it was because nobody was interrupting me. I mean, I could just keep going and going and going and nobody was going to say no, no, never. So they're very polite, but they're from Tennessee. So uh, and and as a result, they never got a word in edgewise. I noticed. Yes. Which which is why it was one of the best. Which is why you liked it so much. (laughs) A great episode. It was a great episode. You and I. Do a, a, a roughly equal and I don't pull stats on me. Fuck you. Uh, amount of talking on this one because I interrupt all the time. And if I'm not interrupting, you never shut up. So I, it, it works out pretty well, but I don't know. It's a dysfunctional relationship, but maybe we should go to a tech story. Yeah. And we have gotten to the point where I don't even run the silence filter anymore because it was just not needed anymore because there's, <laughs> there's never a, a second that goes by. It seems where there's not. Somebody saying something uh, about in something. the last two shows. And I don't know if this is if, if this is drift from clean feet or what, but there was especially the last show on. Oh, what was that? Monday. Uh, we had some awkward silences in that show. I'm sitting here going, I thought you removed those. Well, sometimes we do. And sometimes it seems natural. And uh, sometimes it didn't seem natural. Effect. This sounded this sounded really awkward, like a couple of novice podcasters who've never talked to each other and didn't know each other. And oh, so, I, so maybe you're talking like we're an encounter. Okay. Uh, yeah, or or like Grumpy Old Ben's live sounds. <laughs> no, we sound great live. And we do these shows live, noagendastream.com, Mondays and Fridays, noon Eastern. But there are a plethora of tech stories, including Amazon finally bringing the big concept that they have for, remember they tried this thing with the cashier list stuff in the very small, like, convenience stores? Well, they're bringing oh, yeah. it now to the, the one full-size Seattle's grocery not that stores. Small. No, well, that's it. And I think this one is in your area that they're opening up. It's in Bellevue, their okay. first full that's size Seattle. grocery store. I, that that that's still Seattle. And also cue all the hate mail from the people in Bellevue for me now. For sure, for the for you saying it's Seattle, they're not going to like yeah. that. But I think this is interesting. Just like, for, no, it's across the water. You're Seattle. Deal with it. For uh, for for all the Amazon hate, and I get the Amazon hate. Just looking at this from a technological standpoint to me is fascinating the fact that they're using sensors and shelves you know as far as weighing things that they have the technology which should scare some people that they can follow you through the store 
as you pick things up and put them in your cart, when you walk out, they know what to charge you just from the monitoring they're doing while you're in the store. Now, is that creepy? Sure. But if they can actually get this right and charge people the right amounts and stuff, that's also fascinating that they can do it. Is it more scary or is it more uh, like we should be happy? This is this is, of course, creepy as hell. Uh, But Bellevue is adjacent to Kirkland, which is has got uh, the the second largest Google hub in in the country and to Redmond, which has, of course, you know, downtown Microsoft. In fact, uh, Microsoft, if, if you Microsoft is kind of on a plateau, which is technically part of Redmond, but you have to go down a hill and around a corner about three miles to get to downtown Redmond or. There's just the wide boulevards that go straight into Bellevue. And so if if you're at the Microsoft campus and you're like, I'm going into town, chances are it's Bellevue. So that that's kind of what you're getting when you. So there are a lot of people who are uh, living the tech dream and the, the, you know, sucking off the tech fellatio of of these big companies who are going to be completely thrilled. I mean, even more so, you know, Amazon in in the parts of Seattle that have Amazon, the South Lake Union area is very much the same thing, which is completely full of people who look new smartphone app. Let me install it. New malware. Let me let me grab it and and put it on my and I, I the whole area. There's there's little pockets of places where you are going to find a lot of people who are absolutely thrilled to be tracked this way. And I think downtown Bellevue is definitely one of those. It definitely adds convenience. I mean, even if you think it's creepy and you don't have to do this in the store, I mean, you can opt out and go the other route, which is do your shopping the normal way and have a checkout experience at the end. They will allow you to do that. Okay. do you know how much of the technological uh, about the the implementation aspects of this? You do, you know, like if I go in, say, without a cell phone. They, um, I'm they guessing do need, they do need the cell phone to know what your account is. But I think beyond that, I don't think you need the cell phone while you're doing your shopping, which is something our local uh, grocery, which is what's well, nationwide. Meyer, they can allow you now with their app, of course, to tag everything once you're putting it in your cart. So while you're doing your shopping, you have your cell phone out. When you pick up that can of coffee, you scan the barcode and then you put it into your cart. So when you walk out, you just tell you up. Which is terribly convenient because just walking down the streets, these people have their cell phone out anyway. Right. You know, but in this case, for the Amazon system, that's not what they're doing. They're checking you in when you get in there. And then they're using sensors throughout the store to follow you, to see what you're picking up and charging you automatically based upon those sensors. Nothing to do with your phone as far as how it's building the list of things you purchased, which is. You know, also very interesting because it's a huge step forward technological wise than having to scan all the barcodes with your phone, being able to just walk down, pick up a gallon of milk and take it out of the cooler and putting it into your cart and have it automatically just be charged. It's pretty cool. But see, I've seen. Oh, I'm sorry. But I mean, right. it's, it is kind of creepy. I mean, it's beyond creepy. And then, well, I'm just wondering what the error ratio is. You have to be very careful at this point. And. 
I've never been into a grocery store, a large store, you know, along the lines of a Walmart or a Target or something like that, where every item is in the exact right spot on the shelf where it's supposed to be. And it would that seem doesn't happen that this store would rely on that. Well, I again, the reason I asked for implementation is if if they are just relying on a, a London esque array of cameras shit pointing at everything and and AI to recognize, then there's going to be you know there's going to be ways of defeating it. Like uh, you know, have you seen the the images the of people who did studies where they they managed to trick auto driving or self driving cars by putting pr- stickers over signs that made it. Uh, it detect wrong. Yes. Like one of my favorites is, is putting a sticker uh, in a particular spot on a sign that says speed limit 35 that may you're, you're pretty sure. I mean, just glancing at it, you're like, that's a speed limit 35, but somebody put a little sticker on it. It happens. People recognize that, but that the self-driving car they were testing immediately interpreted as speed limit 85 <laughs> and accelerated. Yes. And, uh, I I feel like if if it's just AI recognizing things, then like what are they recognizing, and how soon until we see these stickers come out? Uh, or if you know the other the other scheme that I've seen used a lot, and I don't know if that's what's happening here, is actually putting an RFID tag into each and everything. I mean, this is something that that retail clothing stores have had forever, where there's a tag attached to all of the clothing and then you walk between the bars and then you know there's a big commotion when people right, walk when you out don't and, pay <laughs> yeah when you don't pay but, but i mean that's possible well, or or when the the cashier forgot to take the tag out but if there's an rfid tag on every item well first of all that's a hell of a lot of tags and then you're not going to be removing them when you walk out that that slows you down so are you walking down the street now with a grocery bag full of trackable items Quite possibly. When I was working at Circuit City, you know, while they were still a thing, the price tags on the compact disc, because they got stolen a lot, the price tag itself was printed on an RFID tag. I believe it had to be RFID. It was one of these uh, tags that would go off, you know, if you walked out the door. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the interesting thing was people then realized all they had to do was take a bunch of CDs, take it into the room where people like demoed speakers and stuff. And bring a exacto knife or a razor, whatever, and then just cut all the tags off. And then you could walk out without a problem as long oh, as yeah. you were able to cut the tag off. You don't even have to cut the tag off. You just have to score it in such a way that it doesn't conduct right and then it's not recognized. Yeah. And, and speaking they, of schemes, our buddy Boobery of Behind the Screams podcast said, you know, what happens if you put the product back? That I don't know because people, at least in our grocery store, if you take a box of cereal, and then you decide you don't want the box of cereal when you're like four aisles away. You don't scurry back to where you took the cereal from. No, you put it back somewhere else. Uh huh. That's and that's why the the part of the reason the recognition thing is just like, are they going to have an army? Uh, you know what they're probably going to have in this fully automated grocery store where they're saving money by not having cashiers is they're going to have an army of of stock boys somewhere in there that scurry out every time that the thing detects a a product was put back in the wrong place. You've got to grab it and immediately put it back in the right place or you'll screw up the whole system. Yeah, possibly. It's going to be interesting to see how this goes, because there was a mention in the article on uh, The Verge that Amazon was also licensing this to other grocery chains. So this is something that may be showing up 
in your local grocery store, whether or not it's an Amazon store. Well, I, I, I imagine that most of the other grocery chains are probably going to be going like, OK, you know what? Why don't you guys go ahead and deal with this and figure out exactly how much you're losing from right. people hacking the system? And when you've solved all of those V1 problems, then we'll look. We'll, then we talk. Because it's not hard to hack a lot of these systems, especially if you have the ability no. to print a barcode. And nobody ever pays any attention, even for higher priced items in electronic stores and stuff like that. If there is a well printed barcode sticker that goes over the existing one and it just happens to be for an item that's one tenth of the price, most of the time the guy checking you out, not going to notice. Yeah, I, half the time you don't notice. And, you know, the other thing is, is retail workers, at least, at least when I was working retail, we weren't stupid. We, we knew what was going on. And half the time, We'd be sitting here and we'd watch somebody grab a stack of T-shirts and stuff it into a backpack and we'd tell the manager. But if the manager was busy, they were the only person who could make a stop for shoplifting. And so I, as a lowly salesperson, could sit here watching this person and they have a backpack full of clothing. They walk out through the store. If any of them have tags, then the damn thing makes an awful racket. Everybody stares toward the front of the store and the more brazen of the thief just keeps walking. And you know right. what? They've crossed that threshold out into the mall. We can't do anything. We can call mall security, but the person will be long gone before the mall security gets there. They're done. They've got it. It's, it's stolen. And we just watched them do it. We're like, there's nothing we can do. And it, you know, it was this was the 90s when back when I worked retail. But I mean, I imagine this is what every shop front is like in San Francisco these days. Yeah, it's just I know what's happening. I just watched it happen. I know damn well you just robbed me of nine hundred forty nine dollars. There's well, nothing we could do. I just saw a video of it was either a CVS or a Walgreens in the San Francisco area where the guy rode in on his bike, went down whatever aisle had a big black shopping bag well trash bag well for him it was a shopping bag just emptied whatever the whole shelf or whatever it was was and then turned around and rode right out i mean you want to talk about brazen this is the kind of yeah. stuff that goes on when you don't prosecute crimes yeah and uh, this is uh, i i was i was reading some stuff by uh who was who's the guy who did freakonomics steven i i i should remember his name because the guy knew i'm thinking michael about. lewis but that was the other guy yeah uh anyway I was, I was reading some one of the blog posts about that and you know one of the things that he says in in a lot of his stuff is incentives matter which long before i ever heard of them and and economics in general i was like yeah if if you set up a system where people are incentivized to do this then not everybody will and even if you try to shame them not you know some people will will respond to that but in general if you set up an incentive to do this then more people than not are going to do it because they're incentivized it and and we are seeing incentives very perverse incentives being set up in the name of of political wokeness in the name of of equality and uh, critical race that are creating some utterly ridiculous results that of course I'm 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 glad for on one hand because we've got this show where we can just ridicule them for look how stupid this is how could they not see that coming and I I don't know the people who implemented these policies maybe they did see it coming and they don't care and maybe they're really that stupid but 
I guess I, I, I weep for humanity and I'm happy for this show that we can keep bringing stories or stories like this. Well, yeah, it either is ignorance or it is malice. That's the only reason you pass these kind of laws or it's like, well, you know, if they steal under nine hundred and fifty one dollars or whatever the amount may be that we're not going to prosecute because, you know, the people robbing are the ones actually that are the victims. I mean, the robbers it, are the victims. Are you, you, are you, uh, oh, you making tea or something uh, here? You're like. Like a spoon? What was that noise? It was a spoon. Get over it. Okay. I was just curious. I mean, this is kind of like no, the, mental theater. And I mean, I there know. There is no spoon. I, I know. I know you, you, you were mad that I didn't call out uh, Chris, Sir Seat Sitter, on the fact that, uh, you know, people were jackhammering or something around his house at the same time. Uh, but I mean, I hear what? your microphone is better. Yeah, every time that my microphone picks up anything in this sector of the city, you're like, it was, stop the show. What was that? Stop the hammering. Stop the spooning. Do that and, and after yeah, so, coitus. So what I called out was that apparently there was heavy construction going on somewhere in the background on that show. And you did not say a word and you just continued on with your point, which is something that I've longed for the whole time. But no, you're like, oh, is there a cat in the room? Why? Yes. Yes, there is. Because a cat lives here and I don't have doors on this room. But uh, anyway, you were saying somebody donates so Ryan can get some doors. Um, but this is I'm, yeah, I'm, this- I'm in the room that used to be the dining room. So, it yeah. Well, it is the perfect place to dine and to, well, I guess, rant and rave yes. and do all that other kind of stuff. But yeah, the uh, people which, which making is, these laws, what, yes, they're Sorry. nuts. They are nuts. But uh, it's because a lot of the stuff is now through the uh, the lens of social media and what everybody looks at. And everybody's being judged when you have things on social media. And there was a Twitter. Now, this I don't know if this I, is oh, ac- actually going to come. Way, I, yeah, I need to thank thank gummy nerds in the troll room. It was Stephen Levitt. Ah, yes, okay. the great gummy nerds, the fan of madness. Their one song, "Baggy Trousers." If you haven't heard it, it's an earworm. Look it up on YouTube. Uh, gummy nerds has baggy trousers. Right. The I'm confused. Uh, no, no. Ask him about it after the show. Twitter is considering adding a feature that would let you unmention yourself from tweets and from threads now this is the same kind of a concept on the fediverse you know no agenda social the stuff we use there where if you want to tag somebody in a post i could be like oh yeah sir bemrose so retroactive censorship well it's uh in a way that it would just keep people from being able to tag your account more than anything else so it's not really yeah you know it's uh just kind of letting you pull the ripcord i mean somebody like uh, you know adam curry i uh, gets tagged a lot in i'm sure the tweets as well but really on no agenda social and and then you know a lot of times somebody will like tag him on a post that is just hey you might find this interesting for the show but then like eight thousand posts follow that from people talking about what that post was about oh yeah and I, he I've might not want to be a part of that <laughs> i i won't claim to to have experienced that on the order of adam curry because oh my god but yeah i've been there <laughs> So I think it's interesting as far as a concept goes where you could be like, well, no, I I want to take my address, my username out of that thread. I think that's a good idea. But um, okay, clarifying question, though, Uh, is it are are you what what is the effect of this? Are you changing? Are you making somebody unable to refer to you 
or are you just making it so that it doesn't show up as a notification? The later. I mean, they can still oh, type okay. your name in. It's just not going to be pinging you and doing that. Okay. So, I, mean, you can- I, I am I am absolutely in favor of of being able to control what parts of a system unnaturally grab your attention. And, you know, that is that is part of notification management. And I I guess my my first thought on that is, is why is this necessary? Can't you just mute the thread, which I know is possible in Mastodon? I don't know about Twitter. You can. But but if there's somebody that is, say, harassing you and tagging you in every post that they make, then you block them. Well, you can. No, you're not supposed to block. You said that was rude. Well, it is rude, but so is tagging you in every post. <laughs> okay, that's true. A little bit of a tit for tat. So, I mean, it is. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you could don't be rude to people who aren't rude to you. But if somebody's tagging you in every post, then all bets are off. Go hack their system or something. Download malware to them. But at least this seems to be a way to get out of a thread that all further replies don't include you in them, which I guess it's very akin to muting the thread yeah, I guess if I there is that ability. I don't understand. Uh, I I don't understand how this is novel. Then uh, the the well, Twitter other needs new ways to try to pretend that they can make money for things. And it wouldn't surprise me if this was another one of these features that you could only get added to your account if you decide you want to subscribe or something. Then give them some cash. See, the, the one of the naive ways that I could see implementing a feature like this, and I don't know if Twitter did this or not, but I'm going to rant against a, a straw man here is uh, if. If you set it up so that whenever somebody types your name and you've decided you don't want to be linked, then it would like even if if they type like at Darren O'Neill or or whatever, and it won't let you send the tweet because it says uh, we're sorry, but you're sending, you know, you're tagging somebody who doesn't want to be tagged. That is is going too far. And now it's not good. That that is a win of of a, a perceived privacy versus free speech. and. Uh, there, there is a distinction between talking to you, which is what tagging is. Uh, well, what, what the notification part of tagging is and talking about you where I need to be able to refer to you. And if I have to change the O in O'Neill to a zero to get around some kind of censorship filter, then your filter is screwed up. Pretty much. This I can see too being used if somebody's like, Oh, you know, Donald Trump bad. Everybody tweet him that he's a racist. And then, you know, 10 million people all are tweeting you with your uh, with your name and then being able to limit again who's able to light up your notifications by using your name, I think is good, which means Twitter will probably never actually do this. But I thought it was kind of an interesting concept, but it shows you how far down the rabbit hole we are with all the social media stuff that the features that they're looking for. I mean, if we all remember, well, not all the kids remember. When Twitter was first announced, the whole at thing wasn't a thing. Nobody thought this was going to work that way. It was all just supposed to be just post a message. It, you don't yeah. you don't go at anybody. You're just sending everything out into the world. The concept of adding somebody to a post didn't exist. But back when Twitter started, there was no retweet button. And if you wanted to to retweet something, you put RT and then copied their message. Yes. Oh, the good old days. That's yeah. when Twitter was useful. That that was the last time I was on Twitter, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that's been a few years. It has been a little while. That has been a few years. There's some uh, there's an interesting article on bleeping computer about the NSA sharing guidance on how to secure your voice and video communications. Now, this may be involved living in a cabin in the woods. (laughs) 
only if your name is Ted. That works a lot better. Now I hear the forms to change that aren't that difficult these days. Now one the first thing in this suggestions I didn't really understand, and maybe some dudes named Ben can uh, shed a little light on this. But it says segment enterprise network uh, center, segment enterprise network using virtual local area networks, so VLANs, to separate voice and video traffic from data traffic. So they want you to totally route uh, any voice, so any like you know your Zoom calls and all that over a different network than all the data that you're doing on your machine. How is that possible? Um, you, you have to decide at the sending end, which network to use because you, you pretty much have to add a flag to distinguish the data traffic before you convert voice and video to data, which is what it is right. to a network. It's data. It's all data. Everything on the internet is packets. <laughs> that, you know, that's, Kind of what I thought. So, I mean, I'm sure so there's a you, way. I mean, you need the VLANs. participation of you need the participation of of whichever app is is sending to decide where to send it based on what they think they're sending. So uh, you you can have your uh, different virtual lands that one machine will connect to. Then, and that's you're just saying. Well, then, if you're doing this, go to this one. If you're going to this, go to the other one. But, I, I imagine so. You know, I've never I, tried to do this. So they, they, you know, uh, uh, when it hits the internet, it's all packets, and the you can you can find a a header in the packet somewhere that says this needs to go onto a different LAN, and then route it accordingly at the the routing level. But somewhere along the line, you have to differentiate this type of data has this priority, this type of data has this priority. In, and provide enough information to route from, and that requires the participation of the computer that is generating the packets. So uh, you're looking at changing apps here. <laughs> well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to change apps. All right. I mean, I have to, have to look further into this because I was just like, I don't really understand how you would do this. I mean, I understand setting up a virtual LAN. But it's like, well, this is all going from the same computer. So how does your computer, I mean, your computer isn't separated by network. This would kind of seem to me to be like, do you need two different computers? One just to do your communication and then one for the stuff you don't want to be leaked? Or, uh, you know, maybe I'm just missing something on this, which is possible because I am not a network professional yeah, i know we have some normal. out there so i'm sure don't, don't worry no matter what we say about this abel kirby will come back and nitpick on some technical detail of it later well then he can tell i mean if he knows abel kirby let us know reach out send us oh a i'm sorry he won't this is a friday show he doesn't know that this show exists he's probably listening live right now he may be hate listening but he may be listening and of course okay in that in that case if if abel kirby if you're listening right now then look out for that car in the other lane <laughs> Do he was know. he was talking about uh, the the last time he listened live. He was on the New Jersey Turnpike ad Ooh. and <laughs> said that our our ranting was just long enough to get from one end to the other. Well, that's uh, yeah, well, that's a must service have been a, that we must provide. have been a quick traffic day. Yeah, it's a service we provide. Uh, the NSA also recommends doing all your software updates. Of course, I mean, yeah, no, really, <laughs> yeah, yeah, as if people are being given a choice these days. No, no. Well, this is it. And there are uh, some changes being made as far as like what they're not. Uh, what was it? Uh, 
Was it NVIDIA is no longer releasing drivers for older, for Windows 7 and Windows 8? No more NVIDIA for Windows. And you're on still Windows 8. So what are you going to do? I stick with the last driver that works or hack it so that I get new drivers. Uh, About three or four years ago, Microsoft made an attempt to uh, prevent Windows 8 from functioning on uh, newer CPUs. And when I upgraded to a Ryzen 5, um, I had a newer CPU that, that Microsoft did not want Windows 8 running on. And by the way, this, I, I think I've given this rant before, but, uh, the, the, the idea of not supported back in the day, it used to mean if I, if I'm, if I'm a software developer and I'm not supporting you, what it means is I'm not going to put in any effort for your scenario. It means, uh, if you have problems, I'm not going to debug them. If your stuff breaks, I'm not going to shed a tear. I'm just not going, I'm, you are not in my headspace for product development because you are quote, not supported. Right. And nowadays when somebody says not supported, what it means is they're going out of their way to implement features that fuck up your ability to use the software that, yes. that prevent you. And, and and that is a totally different form of not supported that, uh, you know, I ran into this when I had the rant the other the last week or two weeks ago about uh, both Netflix and Amazon, where absolutely nothing changed in my browser. Absolutely nothing changed on their end, but an arbitrary date hit. And they decided that they were going to implement a feature that blocked my browser because I hadn't upgraded to the latest version of Firefox. Um, Microsoft coming out with a, a feature in windows update that says that they they put together a dialogue that says we're sorry but we notice you're running new hardware on an old operating system and therefore we're going to block everything and by the way going into the dll hacking a couple bits and putting it back caused windows update to work just fine and i have continued to get my security updates just fine despite microsoft's feature that they implemented to work very hard at not supporting me Everything seems to work just okay. Um, I, it, it, not supporting something should still mean we're not going to go to the effort, which means if something breaks, it's on you because right. you're running a not support. But I, this this implementing features to prevent people from being able to use things that you've decided you don't want is is paternalistic and it's it's douchey. I'm not a, I'm not a fan. Well, yeah, actively blocking is not the same as not supporting. That is yes. a huge difference. Now, I mean, I get it that Microsoft doesn't think you should be using those old operating systems because they are, according to them, unsafe. Although, you know, the last I checked, which was a couple of years ago, to be fair, uh, their new operating systems not terribly safe either. Well, no operating new system assholes. is. But I think there was still groups updating Windows XP. With security updates. I mean, it was all yeah, I believe it. an open source community doing this, but then you at least have the ability to keep that running. Of course, Microsoft doesn't like that, and they would rather shut that down and you buy or upgrade to their latest operating system. I mean, it's weird that they're still giving the whole Windows 10 thing for free. So it just, again, it's showing a little bit of a different uh, move for Microsoft, whether that's good or not. I don't know. But and, and by the way, you you want people to want to be on the latest version maybe stop releasing automatic updates that everybody is forced to install that break everybody's shit yeah it's less than uh, convenient when that happens and and every every single time that and and 
this this is something that I know there are people at Microsoft who understand this. Every time that you release one update that breaks people, the next 10 are going to be suspect. You you can release nine perfect updates in a row that just make everybody's lives better. And then you release one that breaks people and now they don't trust your updates anymore. That's how trust works, which means, oh, I don't know. Test your shit, Microsoft, before you release it to everybody and force them to update. Well, you're the tester now. Come on. I I was the tester when they weren't forcing regular users to be testers. I am not getting paid by Microsoft now. Therefore, I'm running Windows 8. I'm not their freaking Windows 10 tester. And things do break. I talked about this on Random Thoughts this week, R-A-N-D-U-M-B Thoughts.com, that I lost about an hour or two uh, because uh, I start right-clicking things. And at first, I thought it was just Directory Opus, which is my Windows Explorer replacement which is, uh, you know, the file explorer uh, replacement. And I think it's a great program. And I'm like, well, okay, let me try this. And then I did try it in file explorer, same thing. And uh, did a little bit of troubleshooting to find out that the IOBit unlocker program that I had, which I don't even remember what I installed it for a few months back. Uh, What is that one? If you, what does it unlock? If you're trying to delete a file and it's like, this is being used, you can't unlock it for you don't have access to unlock it. It does a really good job of freeing it up so you can delete whatever oh it is. Oh, my God. You know, oh. it's, it's a, so, you know, the only way to do that is you go into kernel mode with a machete and you start hacking apart file handles. Yeah. Sometimes. And, and, and yeah. There, <laughs> uh, sorry that I'm I and from what I know of, of kernel mode uh, handles in Windows. Uh, there are a lot of things in there that do not handle uh, having uh open handles to things that have been removed it's why it does locking and i i don't necessarily like the architecture but mm, i'm just thinking of the havoc that it can cause yes and every now and then it is needed i mean unless you want to reboot your machine which is always a pain in the ass it's always easier you know if something's stuck yeah i mean you could reboot wait the three minutes then delete it and then move upon your way three minutes well get an ssd i do it just by the time it all loads up and there's there's other things that i could and then, sure. then clean out your your startup folder there's only a few things in there the problem is and uh you know i've been debating whether this is a good thing or not and uh and, and again i'm sure they'll have a, a plethora of people that will offer their solution on all this but the antivirus which i use Bitdefender, always wants to do another rootkit a quick scan every time the computer loads up now i usually leave the computer on all the time so i don't care but if you are turning the computer off and on again that's gonna slow things down a little bit when it comes back on the motu also takes some time for it to propagate all of the audio channels because it's not just the one channel it's going through and that takes you know a minute or two so yeah from my restart to back to where everything is working the way it should it takes a few minutes so sometimes i go the lazy way and well the iobit unlocker usually does the job my problem is i don't then just delete the damn thing the minute it's done the job and go back to uh you know if i need it again go okay go back grab it and install it again or whatever program you want to use to do it but uh the more things okay, you well, have on your system as we you know with anything it adds rot it adds problems and in this case that 
was the issue when I was right clicking on anything, you know, try to right click on a zip file to extract it. Nope. Just crashing the Explorer. Uh, but once I got rid of that, boo, back to normal. It, it seems like you you have rightly identified that installing a, a rootkit into your system and then leaving it there it, it caused a, a slight problem. So good that you were able to debug that. Um, the very idea of of a program, a user mode program that goes in to forcibly unlock file handles. Uh, maybe I should explain a little bit how file handles work in Windows, or maybe I should leave it and. Or maybe I should just get it wrong so that Abel Kirby comes back and, and tries to fact check. Why are you doing this to poor Abel Kirby? A Karma I, King says to use Unlocker instead. It's free and better. So I'll check out Unlocker. See, I mean, okay. free open well, source software. It, uh, okay. So the way, the way that kernel mode handles work in Windows is uh, a kernel mode system. They, it's got an entire namespace of, of kernel objects and everything like in Sanders? Windows. Yes, yes, that'd be one of them. Another one would be, say, your C drive. Another one, there's one for, for every registry key. There's one for every file on your drive. There's one for every device. There's probably several for every device. Um, and everything in kernel mode assumes that the, you know, the, the handle is just a, a pointer in kernel mode to an object. And, uh, if an object changes, then a handle becomes invalid, which is why there are very strict locks about whether or not you're allowed to change the thing. Now, I don't like this particular style with regards to files, because it means that if a program has a file open, then there is an active kernel mode handle to that file. And it's the reason why it will tell you you can't delete this file or you can't move or change this file because something has it open. I very much prefer the Linux method where if you go in and say, I'm going to rename this file or move it, then it changes the file, uh, the, the file system pointer to it, but the underlying object still exists right up until whatever program was using it lets go of it. And then it gets rid of the object on and cleans it all up. And it, I think it's much cleaner because it means that if I need to move a file, then I know that whatever was running is still using the old one and whatever needs to run is using the new one. And I can just leave it indefinitely if I don't care. But in windows, every handle is always, as long as the handle is live, the whole kernel tries to enforce and tries to assume that those handles are all valid. And so if you have a program that is going in, and by the way, the only way a user mode program can do this is if it installs what is effectively a rootkit, it has to install a kernel mode driver in order to do this, in order to get access to move these. But there are no protections once you're in the driver. There are no APIs that say there's an open handle. Let's protect it. There, There's nothing, which means once you are in API mode, once you're in a driver, once you've uh, once you're running in kernel mode, you can just run the API that says, yeah, let's go ahead and remove this. And and I'm in kernel mode and therefore I'm trusted to have fixed up all the handles. And if a program goes in and starts removing handles without fixing them up the way the kernel expects, something else might have has an open handle to that and is is going to explode. So programs that do things like this are, in fact, a recipe for blowing up your computer in unpredictable ways in the future. Why did I just spend a bunch of time on this? Because I spent an inordinate amount of time 
debugging these things when I was there and trying to figure out why, you know, what driver just broke all of our audio system because drivers would go in and change up and remove audio devices when, when I was working on audio and not notify the audio system to reinitialize. Anyway, sorry. And people say we don't talk tech. I take that. Anyway. Okay, you want me to not talk tech? I've got a political story. No, I was gonna. I was just thinking, if it wasn't for my horse, I would have never spent that year in college. I understand. Uh, Colorado has narrowed the wage gap to zero, sort of. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I'm going to need further details on this. Okay, Colorado passed in 2019. They passed the Equal Pay for Equal Work Act. EPWA is the acronym for it. Oh, so they're Indians. Uh, Maybe a We're the Apiwa Indians. <laughs> yes. Uh, they, what this allows you to do is, uh, well, first of all, it, it sets some rules that employers are not allowed to seek the wage rate history of a prospective employee or require disclosure of wage rate as a condition of employment. Employers are not allowed to rely on a prior wage rate to determine a wage rate. Uh, employers are not allowed to discriminate or retaliate for failing to disclose wage history or talking about or asserting your rights provided by this act, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the goal here, at least the stated, uh, woke argument for it, which was introduced by four female Democrats in the Colorado Senate, uh, maybe house Colorado legislature, uh, was that they wanted to reduce the wage gap. And in order to do that, you, shine a light on it because sunlight is the best disinfectant. They believe that there is corruption in terms of every company creating a good old boys club to that only hires men and always pays men more. And so the solution to this that they determined is that you have to now, uh, you, you are not allowed to discriminate based on wage. Uh, I, I mean, I guess I, I felt like that should have been illegal before, but what it, maybe it isn't. Um, but part two is a little bit more interesting and it has to do with disclosure. Uh, an employer shall make reasonable efforts to announce post or otherwise make known all opportunities for promotion to all current employees on the same calendar day prior to making a promotion decision. And, an employer shall disclose in each posting for each job opening the hourly salary compensation or a range of the hourly and salary compensation and a general description of all the benefits and other compensation to be offered to the higher hired applicant. Um, what this means is under EPWA, if you are in Colorado, every time that you get uh, an opening at your company, whether that be by a new position or somebody moving out of uh, an existing one. Um, that vacancy, you must disclose the uh, the salary or hourly rate. You have to disclose, uh, you know what what you expect to pay for it. You have to ex- disclose uh, the. I mean that it's going. What this does is it kills any internal position where somebody is being promoted from within. Be- well, it doesn't kill it. What it says is, if you are going to promote somebody within the company. You have to make that job public and publish the the wages for that job. Um, I, I don't know when the last time that you tried to uh, get involved in the job opening or job hiring uh, position, but companies do not like to post wage information. No, um, n- nobody wants to post saying here's a job and here's how much we expect to pay for it. But Colorado 
is asking companies, in fact, requiring companies to do precisely that. Well, because they're assuming that everybody has the same abilities. And this starts getting very questionable when, I mean, you're doing something like sales. I mean, okay, maybe you're doing, uh, you're getting a commissioned rate, which is a little bit different, but you can have vastly different experienced people. I mean, we were just talking about you working at Microsoft. There are people that are fresh out of school that are able to program. And then there are people that have been doing it for 20 years. Now they're doing the exact same job, but one's going to be way more efficient, probably know a lot more. What, What you're talking about is skilled labor where the, the people are because people come with distinct skills, they are not interchangeable. But they're trying to make this that because they're like, well, no, this job pays this, not well, this this job pays this because, you know, this guy gets five times the work done. This other guy does. I mean, we still want to hire this other guy, but we don't want to pay him the same as the guy that can do five times the amount of work. Yeah. Uh, and, And and the companies absolutely want to reserve their prerogative to pay people more or less based on um on what they want. Okay, so. Actually, now that I'm looking at my notes and I should probably do this before I start talking, um, there are uh, a couple of caveats with regards to the enforcement on this. First of all, um, there are exceptions. You can pay somebody more or less money based on the following six things. Uh, Seniority, merit, quality of production, geographic location, required travel or education training and experience to the extent they are reasonably related to the work in question so that might cover the the objection you just had where well, somebody merit, gets more though, done i mean merit is hard to put into a uh, a simple number all of those are <laughs> yes. hard to quantify yeah but the, it's, it's the, also uh it's also we're in a whole different job market now too because there was uh i think it was uh, stripe that offered their employees 10 percent less in salary and said, if you take 10% less, you can work from wherever you want. You don't have to live in New York or L.A. And people are like, all right, got to go. And they took, they, they're like, yeah, we want this. We'll take yeah. 10% less money because we can go to, live. to move uh, to move somewhere where the, the cost of living is 30% less. Yes. Seems like a good maneuver. Yeah, I, I can see that. Uh, and and a good maneuver on this part of the employer whose costs are lower, too. Uh, yes. Uh, Everybody wins. Um, now, uh, the other thing that I pulled out, I, cause I, I actually went to the, the leg.colorado.gov because you know how much I love reading legislation. Um, and by the way, I, I got this originally from Wall Street Journal, uh, who has a paywall and, uh, I huge fan of, uh, msn.com. If, if you go through the show notes of our show, I pull a lot of links from msn.com because they republish a lot of, of articles, even the paywalled ones. Um, so this one, I've got an MSN.com link to Wall Street Journal, but whatever. Um, Wall Street Journal did not even mention the name of the act early on. So I, I had to dig for this. Thanks, guys. Uh, anyway, the burden of proof, it, 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 uh, the, the act outlines a type of uh, enforcement mechanism because uh, the law comes with enforcement. I'm 
I'm, I'm losing my mind. You know what? My my caffeine is wearing off right now. Can you tell? Is this, my, yeah, you my are mind is down. crashing. Wow, this is a, a a very detailed look inside what the effects of caffeine are to the human, or at least the Bemrose brain. To the Bemrose brain, yes. not necessarily yes. human. So the the enforcement part of the bill, uh, the uh, basically is is a. A complaint department. Uh, um, they're they're not going to go out into companies and and do this, but any employee can complain to the state of Colorado and say we want we are you know they violated the rules. Um, the thing that I pulled out of this is that the burden of proof in the complaint department is on the employer to prove that if if a wage differential exists, that it fits into one of those categories, the vague categories I just gave you. Uh, that, that it's based on merit or seniority or quality of production. And then, uh, some bureaucrat at Colorado is going to be the judge to say, well, that wage difference was based on seniority or was based on merit or whether it wasn't. And, um, that bothers me because it opens up a pretty big gap for the things not for, for subjectiveness fitting in it. It's uncertainty. Companies hate uncertainty, especially when it comes to legal requirements. And and this is a big area. Well, and being forced to pay people things they don't necessarily think people are worth. We saw what happened at all the grocery stores from Kroger in these areas that went, no, 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 you got to pay for the people to work. You got to pay more for hero pay because there's a pandemic. And Kroger went, got to go close and shop. See you later. So, yeah, a PWA is is a rule, uh, a new law for Colorado that says you have to announce every position in the company in and their wage range when it's open for hire to all employees. And the rules make no distinction between internal and external positions, which means that all, although the law doesn't outline this specifically, um, if you read between the lines, every time that you decide that you want to make somebody go from from manager to director internally, you have to announce that job and how much you're paying publicly as well. Um, a lot of companies don't like this. Now, if you recall, I told you that this law was passed in 2019. It took effect on the 1st of January of this year. So why am I revisiting this six months later? More importantly, why is the Wall Street Journal revisiting this six months later? Because the I'm talking about it because Wall Street Journal did. Well, we've got some unintended consequences. No way. Yeah. Um, it's project, actually, uh, wait, wait. Is it actually hurting the people it was intended to help? Um, is, isn't that what, what the unintended part usually is? I mean, sometimes, we, yeah. Wall Street Journal pulled a bunch of online job postings. You know, there we are moving into a new economy where a very large number of jobs are online. Um, this law applies effectively. It applies to, any company that has, quote, a presence in Colorado, which means uh, and, and again, not well defined, but could be easily interpreted to you have at least one employee in Colorado. And for remote work, that might be enough when when you have one you know employees all over the country and one of them happens to live in Colorado. Now, every job in your company, you have to po- post the wages publicly every time some a lot of companies don't like this. So. Wall Street Journal went and pulled uh, a bunch of advertisements for online job openings that included uh, project management director at CBRE group for a real estate group said this position may be performed remotely anywhere in the United States except the state of Colorado. Nice. Uh, commercial finance position for senior manager at Johnson and Johnson. 
Work location is flexible if approved by the company, except that position may not be performed remotely from Colorado. Sales specialist for McKesson Group, Pharma. Job postings include Colorado residents. Uh, at Cardinal Health, a position for a scientist, account exec, and tax planner. This is a remote work-from-home position. This role is to be filled outside the state of Colorado. <laughs> this is becoming a pretty big thing there are a lot of companies who are now saying you can work remotely but you can't work remotely in colorado because if we ever get a presence in colorado whether that be a physical location or one remote worker there then we will have a lot of legal requirements that we don't want to fulfill and uh it got bad enough that uh wall street journal who by the way was was triggered onto this by uh what a surprise they got their news from a reddit post uh, there was a Reddit <laughs> user so com- sad. in Colorado complaining about this who had set up a website, coloradoexcluded.com. And at the time of the Wall Street Journal publication, it said that they had uh, 46 companies already listed who were putting up job openings where they said they were not going to accept applications from Colorado residents. Um, I tried the site this morning and uh, likely because of the Wall Street Journal article, ColoradoExcluded.com does not load. A lot but, of traffic, a uh, lot of interest. Yeah. Um, this is, this is incentives at work. This is what I, uh, you, you have just set up a situation where it is better. It, it is more palatable for companies to not accept people in Colorado than it is for companies to follow the state of Colorado's new rules and requirements on companies right um unintended consequences incentives at work and uh, congratulations colorado legislature you have successfully narrowed the wage gap because when everybody in colorado is making nothing on remote work they're all equal yeah but they can all keep smoking weed that's all they really <laughs> cared about yeah come yeah. to washington you can do that and pay higher taxes Woo! Yeah, higher taxes is good. But yeah, this is exactly like Kroger leaving the areas that wanted to force them to pay their employees more. This is the concept until the whole uh, federalization of the United States is complete under the new world order. This has always been the concept is that if you don't like what's going on in one state, you don't got to deal with it. There's 49 other states and businesses that don't like this. They're well within their rights to say, well, then we're not going to do business in Colorado. It's hurting the people that live there. It's an interesting uh, salvo here because I did see an article the other day. I did not clip it, but I thought it was at least somewhat intriguing how people are more and more open to discussing things like salary, which this goes right down that line where, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago, if somebody walked up to you at a cocktail party and was like, hey, you know, what's Microsoft paying you? You'd be like, screw you. <laughs> you know, this is yeah. this is stuff that isn't talked about. You know, that's a personal thing. It's a private thing. Uh, but they made some points about uh, things le- like learning, Venmo. Learning that rule, by the way, got me into some mighty awkward uh, situations at some of the company parties. Why? What happened? Well, I'm the kind of person who would ask that sort of thing until somebody beats it into my head that you it's just not talked about. Oh, you were the asker, not the askee. Oh, I, nobody cared. I was the new guy. You're like, oh, hey, hey, look, oh, Mr. Mr. Gates, I love working at your company. Oh, what are you pulling down a year? Yeah. Just, can I have some? Yeah. I'm just kind of curious about that. Um, but, you know, they talked about Venmo in the article. I mean, of course, the whole Biden 
scandal and all this. And of course, the other guy too, the get scandal where, you know, the, the 17 year old girl being paid by Venmo, but the concept that so much of our financial lives are going public in that kind of a way. I mean, Bitcoin, the same thing, crypto, the same thing. It could be tracked. If somebody knows your wallet, they can see what you're spending out that the article was saying people are getting more and more comfortable with this kind of information becoming public. And uh, I'm not sure that's a good thing. And this, this says to me that these companies don't think it's a good thing either because you know, they don't need to advertise what they're paying all of their employees. I mean, and I know it sucks. It's a game. And if you're not good at negotiating or you're not good at figuring out what your self-worth is, there's a lot of people. And maybe this is a millennial thing, too, because they don't want to argue that if you show up. I think you just nailed it. We've raised modern generation have been raised and and it didn't take with everybody because I've met some pretty assertive millennials. But modern generation have been raised that uh, you don't have to assert yourself and things will come to you if you say nothing, which was definitely not how you and I were raised. We were still raised in the generation of if you don't go out and take it, you don't get it. And uh, the you know, once you decided that, uh, you know, no child left behind, everybody gets a trophy, then uh, we've trained people. You don't have to assert yourself and therefore they don't know how. And we've got a whole lot of very meek people out there who are like, well, I just was I I put in my time and and how come nobody's noticed me yet? And and I'm special. And I keep, my mom keeps telling me that. So how come <laughs> how come I'm not getting what I deserve for being special? Because you've never been noticed. Yeah. You, you've never asked. You've never demanded. You never went out and took an interview with another company and see what they would offer you. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do. And and this is not just in your working life. This is in what you pay day to day for a variety of things. It was one of the first things that we talked about on Grumpy Old Ben's. I think the fact that you don't like the rate you're getting from your cable company, call them up and say you want a better rate. Nine times out of 10, you'll get one. And oh, yeah. You just have to ask. And, uh, oh my gosh. If, if, if I could get Bemlet on a podcast, he could tell, uh, well, he, he already did at least once, but he could tell story after story about people coming in and, and wanting stuff. I, I, I yeah, he works at a cable company store. So I, I get, I get stories. Yeah. Everybody stories. wants stuff. And the solution for me has always been be upfront. Don't waste anybody's time. Don't hem and haw. And you just say, hey, I'm, I'm and, look, looking to do this. And this, this, uh, I and think walk I around have, strapped. Yeah. You know, I've, I think I talked about this with the, uh, uh, the, the folks that, that cut the grass for us here in the beautiful city of Chirac that they sent out a thing at the beginning of the season, like, oh, their prices all went up 20%. And I just emailed back, like, yeah, you know, that's too much. I'll just do it myself for that point. And I'm like, you know, if you want to keep it at the old rate, you know, we'll go with another year. And they're like, okay, that's fine. It's like, that was it. You know, there was, it was like, okay, we'll, we'll take that. But I wonder how many of the people, how many of their clients just got the bill and like, oh, okay. Yeah. We'll just, it's going up. We'll pay it. Didn't ask. Didn't say no. You were putting a uh, stop to this. And, you know, that's for small little crap. Now, if you're talking about a salary where if you're walking in, I mean, the concept always, you're going to be lowballed when it comes to any of this kind of stuff. The person sitting, across from you that wants to hire you 
You it's know? their fiscal responsibility to lowball you with the first offer. Yeah, that's their job. And I mean, I've seen this play out in, you know, comedic ways through movies and television where the person that is able to give them the money is like trying to prompt them, you know, like they're like, oh, yeah, I can only offer you like 50,000. And the guy's like, OK, that's great. You know, you know, unless you unless you ask for a little more. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, uh, yeah. Um, you know, play the game. I mean, and I get it. The game is kind of stupid, but. It's the way the world oh, works. Anybody who's ever bought a car at a car dealership knows that the game can be infuriating. <laughs> yeah. But it's still the game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I once walked because a guy pissed me off enough. Uh, I yeah. This, I believe this was on a Ford. And it was uh, by by the way, if, if you ever go to a car dealership and purchase a car and you were not ready to walk away at any point during the, the negotiation, you got fleeced. Yes. Oh, yeah. There's absolutely no question. Yeah, I mean, and this was a case where we had settled on a price and then there was like something else added in. And it was like 50 or 100 bucks on the whole thing of the car. And I was just like, well, no. And the guy's like, are you going to really walk on something that small? I'm like, are you going to let me walk on something that small? (laughs) I mean, since you put it that way. Yeah, I guess so. Bye. (laughs) Yes. And uh, the the, the beauty of it was, you know, we got to see the vehicle. We saw the features that we wanted, and we ended up going to the next Ford dealer down the road in the next town and walked in and said, here's what I'm looking for. Here's the price I want. And the guy's like, let me take this thing back and came back and like, you just got a car. (laughs) That's uh, boom. Uh, sometimes it works, sometimes oh. it don't, and you have to know. I mean, having the information helps, doing a little bit of research helps, and uh, negotiating, though. And that is, I think, a skill that is being lost. I don't think a lot of people, again, I think a lot of this is because so many people communicate via text and via email that when it comes to face-to-face negotiating, it seems like it's a big, bad, scary thing. And uh, I think you hit 100% on the biggest thing, which is, you know, if you're not willing to walk away at some point, you've lost because then you you, you didn't even try. Yeah. Yeah. You have to I mean, never go in and say I'm good. Never go in with the attitude of I'm going to buy a car from this place. Go in with the idea of I want to buy a car. And if the price is right, then we're doing this. But I, yeah. I, it, you during all of this talking i realized that uh it, it, okay not actually the last time i was in there but um the car i'm currently driving one of the last times that i was actually in a position to negotiate for a new car um and and i only mention this because pure coincidence was january 19th of 2001 when i purchased my current car which means that tomorrow i will have had that car for 20 years so, I mean, uh, no, that's over 20 years. You said January 20, 2001? Uh, I'm sorry, June. June, okay. June 19th of 2021. So 20 years. Wow. And it's still uh, it's still ticking. It's still ticking. It has, uh, I think, in the neighborhood of 180,000 miles on it, maybe more. Um, it's, a, it's a GM. I don't know how many people are, are familiar with uh, GMs of that period, but uh, the instrument cluster had little had resistors that after heating and cooling cycles would crack. And the result is that the cluster, the instrument cluster stops illuminating. It's still counting miles. It's still showing all of the things, but the LEDs don't work, 
which means that I have absolutely because because there's no mechanical odometer. The odometer is a digital LCD right on the cluster. I have absolutely no way of knowing how many miles are on that car, because although it's trying to display them and the cluster is counting miles, it the LCDs, the the light, it doesn't light up anymore. Um, the other thing that I don't have is the like underneath that. The other thing that display gives is is a PRNDL. But I've got a pretty good idea which gear the car is in by what direction it goes when I push on the gas. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> you can kill a lot of people if you just like slam the gas to see which direction I'm going to go. Uh, yeah, but if they're not me, then I, I'm not worried about it. Besides, it's a, it's a full size American sedan. The thing is made of steel and it's it's heavier than most things on the road today. And frankly, those people don't stand a chance. So the car doesn't have Bluetooth, I guess. No, no, it was one of the first generation that had OnStar. And so one of the first things I did as soon as my six month trial was up, I'm like, nope, this is this is invasive and I don't want to pay for it. So I went in and unplugged the whole cluster, which disabled a couple other things on the car. But whatever. Well, yeah, but now you don't get good afternoon, Mr. Bemrose. We've detected that your car is upside down. Should we send help? And and thank you for that, because I might just be joyriding. (laughs) You never know. You never know. Yeah, that's true. That is true. but yeah, buying cars, not fun, not fun at all. I mean, the most fun I had buying a car was when my uncle Ron was still alive. He was a vice president of a bunch of Chevy, uh, you know, a big dealership, multiple locations down in Florida. And the car I was looking for, this was like right out of you know high school. I was in college, I think, at the time. And that's when I realized that there is a different bill you know that the cars come that they actually costs the uh the uh dealership you know not the sticker that you see on the side oh, yeah. or the stuff you see in the car that you know he sent me the, the, the one full of made-up numbers that never that weren't associated with anything it's just marketing yes you know and it it had the things figured in like well you know if they sell x amount of cars and this you know then they get this back for marketing and all you know all the things that were in there so he's like you know here's what they can sell the car for and you know break even so here's an idea of you know what you ask him he's like so go in and tell him you want this for like 500 over this and you know i walked in and the guy, the salesman, when he looked at the piece of paper, I mean, his face turned white. It was kind of like, you know, you're not supposed to have and, this. And I bet the salesman was pissed. It's like, who's been giving away our secrets? <laughs> Pretty much. But, you know, when they need to move cars, that's uh, that's important information to have because it's like, hey, yeah. I know you can't lose money. I know you need to make some money. And we've just decided on what that is fair to us. Kind of like doing your I- uh, your salary. I said that the the twenty years ago was was almost the last time I was in there. There, I I have purchased one new car since, and I managed to get into one of the best possible situations. In this case, almost entirely by accident, but I should have planned it this way. In fact, in fact, forget what I just said. I'm going to claim that totally I planned, planned. Yeah. to go in on December thirtieth. <laughs> End of the year bargains, bargains, and bargains. Man, they were keen to get me out of there with the best possible deal. <laughs> They're like, hey, would you like some eggnog, sir? How you doing? Let me give you a yeah. little bit of a Christmas cookie here. Uh, more like, I mean, they were all like wanting to get out of there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. December. 30th. Anyway, I, yes, I, I'm not sure. But but regardless, uh, I, I ended up walking out with, uh, uh, I want to say 2000 below MSRP, which wasn't 
fantastic, but I was okay with it. And 0% financing for four years. And I was going to pay cash for this car. I was just like, I hate financing things because I don't like having monthly bills. I'd rather just pay it off all up front. But when they're like, we'll give you 0% for four years. I'm like, wait, so no interest ever. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. You're like, well, what's, what's the price if I pay cash? They're like, same price. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> well then. Okay. I mean, they're hoping you and, default on the loan and that's where of course they make some money. We, and, and of course they are. And, and I didn't, we paid it. Uh, in fact, we made every payment. And in fact, four years later, uh, almost to the day, I, I know I've told this story. Um, I, I drove that thing for four years and we made the payment every single time. And it might as well have been a lease. Because we made the final payment, you know, I, I told you December 30th, it was December 30th of 2010 that I went in and we bought this, it, it was a Ford Escape. And on December 30th ish of 2014, I made the final payment. We sent it off. We were like, yay, we're free and clear. We didn't even have the title yet because the, the finance company hadn't received it yet. Four days later on January 4th, five days. Fucking tree falls on the car. Oh, I saw that picture. <laughs> it's like it's paid like, for. It's paid for. And, and my, it, the insurance negotiation was super complicated because we didn't have an outstanding balance with the financing, but we didn't have the, the title yet. Right. We need the title. I don't have the title, but we need the anyway. title. Well, yeah. Now, yeah. Paying your car bills, which we haven't done in so long now. It's, uh, it's it's crazy because we have uh, vehicles that are old as well. Uh, did I ever tell the story of how I paid a Chevy uh, the monthly thing so early the one time that they told me that I hadn't paid it? So I called them I, up. So, I've heard of this happening, but I haven't heard it from you. Yeah. So I called them up and I'm like, well, no, it was paid on this date. You know, I gave them the check number, whatever, from the, the bank information. And the girl on the other side goes. Okay, well, uh, uh, you know, well, we, a, re- we applied that to last month. <laughs> well, they're like, as a convenience to you, we'll, we'll, uh, you know, as a one-time convenience, we'll waive the, you know, the late fee or whatever. And I'm like, no, no, you're not understanding me. Not only it was was it paid, it was paid early. So don't tell me it's a one-time convenience for me. You messed up. You fix your problem and say sorry. Don't say, well, as a one kind time convenience for you, we will waive the late fee of the bill you paid early. Having known several people who work in call centers, one thing I can tell you for sure is that they they are very free with the word sorry. And there's never been once that they mean it. <laughs> well, and if it's not in the worse yet, if it's not in the script, they paid early. No, this that's not in our flow chart. We don't know what to say. When somebody says, no, we didn't pay late, we paid early. We've never heard this before. Our brains are broken. Yeah, there is that. Well, it, I, I had I had a similar thing when when I with my well, with my first car, the one I bought in 2000, when uh, I, I financed that one simply because I didn't have the money for it. And I had a, a an in, uh, uh, interest rate and I didn't want to pay a lot of money in interest. I knew damn well the longer. So I was making payments ahead and I was still getting like, I would pay, you know, the, the minimum payment was 600 something. And I would go ahead and pay double that. I'd pay 1200 in a month. And then the very next month I forgot 
and I get a phone call. At least it was a courtesy phone call. It's like, we noticed that you haven't paid this month. I'm like, so apply half of what I paid last month. It should work. Well, that's not how this works. Well, it it should. Yes. Yeah. A couple conversations like that. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to dip into my savings and fuck you. You get no more interest ever. And I paid the car off. Yeah, well, that's because way too many people ask the question, what are my monthly payments rather than what is the final cost to me once it's all paid? And, uh, you know, a lot of the 0% interest, of course, takes that off the table. But when you are paying an interest rate like the, oh, I can afford this, it's like the phone crap. Oh, I'll pay $1,500 for a phone because they're only charging me $29.99 a month for the next how many years? Yeah, financing is a psychological trick. You you don't. If if you want to pay the phone up front, then somebody says, you, you know, let's say phone. Uh, OK, then we're going to require you to give us fifteen hundred dollars now. And that hurts because you look at how much money you have right now and you're like, oh, crap, I can't do. But the saying, OK, we're actually going to require you to pay twenty five hundred dollars over the next 12 months in monthly installments. And people look at this and. They don't see the 2500 number. What they see is, oh, it's only $100 a month. Yeah, that's easy. I can afford that. It is crazy. You got to know how these things work. Yeah, it's 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 basic idiocracy math. It's it's people. I I mean, at this point, people aren't even trained in enough math to acknowledge like they can't take math is racist. Let's not talk about math. And that's why people aren't trained in it. (laughs) But uh, the ability yeah. Okay. There, it's one thing to be able to do differential equations, which I I had to learn as part of getting a degree in math. And I don't know if there's ever been a time that I've applied all of that knowledge, but I learned how to do it. Okay. Woohoo. Yay. I, I know. How, but uh, I tell you what you do use every single day, whether you're uh, a math major, which I love that, that you kept pointing that out over and over and over again, uh, whether you're or or if you just dropped out of high school. You're going to have to have opportunities every single day to do things like take a hundred dollars a month times 24 months and compare that number that you get out of that to the 1500 of paying off right now and go, huh? So if I take the easy option that you're pushing for, I pay almost twice as much, but it's easy. Yeah. But, but it's monthly. And yeah, you get to keep more of your money right now. Yeah. Or you could do, and I understand that this is probably something that has not been heard of since about 1973, but you could save up ahead of time to have the money to go in and make the purchase instead of going into debt for it. I don't comprehend. Or am I showing my age now? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, nobody has savings anymore. Don't you know? Well, with Biden, if you have savings, it's becoming quickly worthless. That's why you got to put it all into crypto, man. In fact, uh, with with the runaway inflation we're facing over the next few years, um, it actually is going to incentivize going way into debt. So this is actually going to be good for most Americans and is kind of going to screw over any of the ones who kept a lot of dollars in a savings account because Hey, you know, if you managed to put away a hundred thousand dollars five years ago and five years from now, you'll be able to buy a loaf of bread or two with your savings. Congratulations. That's how inflation works. Hey, if I can quote D.E. Metis of the Fun Fact Friday podcast, being poor is expensive. Yes, it is. It is. Did you hear about this new malware that is 
blocking pirate sites? I, I bet I did. In fact, that's one of my stories. The one called Vigilante. There's uh, well, the, I had to pull notes on this one. This is just genius. Well, I mean, this and, was. Uh, and by the way, I don't I don't know if you where you got it from, but uh, I actually got sent this one this morning by Servo. Oh, so lefty people are following this that, yeah. uh, you know, there is uh, stuff that's on your usual places. I mean, uh, I think people, if you have ever played around on sites like the Pirate Bay, you understand that what is uploaded there is not always free of uh, of bad things. And that's part of the deal with piracy is figuring out if there is anybody you can trust. Or if you should just, you know, pay the 50 bucks for the software rather than risking that your whole computer is going to get pwned or break down or whatever. But uh, it's just I don't know if it says this was vigilante, but this was a malware which is being spread via the usual piracy sites, the usual torrent sites that once you download and execute it, it's adding a bunch of stuff to your host file to block a ton of pirate sites. So, uh, the story I found was it came from a, a reporter named Andrew Brandt, who was at Sophos labs and, uh, they had detected it and they are the ones who gave the name vigilante. So if, if somebody else investigated the same one, they might not have had the same name, but what you just described is exactly what they were talking about. And it's genius because they're using piracy people that are downloading pirated stuff to then block the very sites that you would get the pirate content on and there was another bit of information which was whatever you thought you were stealing when you executed this your ip address and whatever other information it could scrape from your machine along with the title so i mean if you were downloading the latest you know uh, scarlett johansson movie well it would then take the title of that and send that back to whoever set this whole thing up. Like, ha, they thought they were getting Iron Man and here's their IP address. What that data is going to be used for, nobody seems to know. Well, I, I, I don't even know if, if it's still going, if anything's happening or not. Here, here's what I found out about the software from the, the Sophos Labs article. Um, it is a Trojan. It is disguised as pirated software and games and distributed on Discord and BitTorrent. Um, the file names are, they follow the common piracy naming conventions with a bunch of square brackets and things in there. Uh, it is disguised as file names like Left for Dead or Minecraft or things like that. Although um, they made it, I don't know if it's because they didn't care or because they wanted anybody who was paying even the least amount of attention to be able to spot this as a scam. But if you took the files and uh, it checked the, the properties of the file, you know, when you right click and go details, um, they would have properties like uh, AVG or BitLocker or Microsoft office tools, which if you're looking for a thing that that's going to be pretty easy to spot. If, it, if the file name is Minecraft and the, yes. the details says AVG, um, Cracking the files open, uh, you, you know the trick, by the way, anytime you download an executable, the first thing that you do is you change the extension to zip and see if it opens, because you might see if it's a self-extracting archive, you can see what's in it. Um, but the contents always contained a readme.txt uh, and a and then uh, usually a .nfo 
which in, in piracy circles is also another text file and a data dot dat. And, um, the readme.txt was the one that said, uh, it had a generic anti-piracy messages. Uh, <laughs> the data dot dat was a binary file, but it had a JPEG header. And when they changed it to data dot JPEG, it was a generic photo of a pine forest. And the NFO, which was the one that, uh, was for the, uh, for the, basically it was for padding. Uh, it contained a kilobyte of garbage data, 16 kilobytes of quote, a racial epithet repeated over <laughs> and over again. I don't know what it was. I didn't get a copy of it, but the Sophos labs were not willing to say what it was. Um, repeated and then more garbage data to pad out the file size. Um, and then, uh, I, I don't know if this is a, a normal thing amongst the piracy. You're, you're more into to the culture than I am, but do people check the, uh, the hash, the like MD five or, uh, of, of the file, you know, when, when, at least with, with the Linux things that I download, if you download something, there's always the file to download. And then there is the fingerprint. Right, and which it, guarantees it, that the file that the person uploaded was what you got. Of course, in this case, what they were uploading was bad. Well, yes, but the fingerprints listed on the files were not valid hashes. They were literally random uh, hexadecimal strings. Oh, interesting. So this was not going to fool people that this, really this knew was what not they were going doing. to fool anybody paying attention it was going to fool people who don't bother checking the hashes don't bother they just download and run which is so, a lot of people i guess so, i mean if if you're gonna go out there check your download hashes that's the first thing you need to do but uh so when run the software will throw a an error dialogue and exit the error dialogue says the program can't start because msvcr 100.dll is missing from your computer try reinstalling the program to fix this problem um you click okay and it exits uh the funny thing is that that dialogue isn't calling uh the, the sophos investigated the dialogue is not calling the dll load api it's not checking for the file in fact somebody dropped a legitimate copy of msvcr 100.dll into the same folder so it would be found <laughs> right and it still popped up the dialogue so really the dialogue is just printing that text and exiting the other thing that it's doing is like you said it's reporting your file name ip address a couple other things to an attacker controlled server the attacker controlled server is one flchier.com uh which if if you know about one feature Fitchier.com. That is. I thought it was just Fletcher. Set. No, not Fletcher. <laughs> I, I, although Fletcher might have been the person who made this. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, that site, by the way, has now been shut down, but uh, the malware still attempts to uh, uh, go to it unsuccessfully. Um, and then while the dialogue is popped up saying that it can't access MSVCR, it also is modifying your host file to block the Pirate Bay and up to a thousand other pirate sites at uh, by changing them all to 127.0.0.1. Now, the beautiful thing is, if you didn't know all of these sites, you now have a whole list that, <laughs> that I know I was looking at that list of sites going. I only know a couple of these. <laughs> yeah, we're missing out. Now we've got a whole bunch of new uh, sites. And, you know, that's the thing with with piracy. Um, support the people that are putting out the artwork that you like. But, you know, if you're going to do this kind of stuff, there are sites that are a little bit more 
in control. I mean, even sites like the Pirate Bay, which will let anybody post whatever they want. They do have certain people that they have certified as the uploaders. And if it's marked with one of those, I mean, until they get hacked, it's very rare to have problems. And the few times I've uh, maybe downloaded things, I just run it through, you know, Bitdefender anyway. And if it finds something, then, you know, screw it. I mean, it'll find the uh, the key gens and all that kind of stuff. And that's as to be expected. But you just throw that in a sandbox. And, uh, you know, if you know what you're doing, like with anything else in computers, it could probably avoid your computer blowing up. But if you're just going to fall it, for this, then no, don't don't play around. And it shouldn't sur- it shouldn't surprise you that the Sophos antivirus will uh, will now uh, de- detect this particular. I would hope so. I mean, but the most I, yeah. intriguing thing is it's like it seems that whoever put this together was trying to go after the pirate industry. Well, I think they were they were trying to make a point. Yes. It, for one thing, this stuff has absolutely no persistence method. Here's the method that they recommend to clean. Edit your host's file to remove all of the extra entries and then delete the infl- infected executable. Yes, That's how you not, clean it. It's not getting deep into your system. This reminds me of what the record companies did back in the Napster day, which was just start throwing the wrong audio on and label it the songs people were looking for. It's kind of a similar thing. I, I had fraternity brothers who did that sort of thing, often accidentally, but not always. It's an inconvenience, but, yeah. uh, you know, I get it. People don't want to be inconvenienced. Sometimes you just can't find. I mean, we watched the first season here in the U.S. of the Lego Masters show and found it to be kind of intriguing. It was like, oh, look, they did Lego Masters in Australia. They're in like their third or fourth season now. So I went to a legit pirate site. And allegedly downloaded the episodes, and we've been watching those. Why? Because you can't get that in the United States any legal way that I can figure. How would you would uh, how you would get this program so from Australia? You're, you're following the convenience of it. Yes. Yes. Uh, allegedly. Yeah. And I mean, really, I'd pay because I thought it's a good show. And uh, you know, if there was a, a cheap enough way that just like, hey, I can stream this on you know Hulu or whatever, which we do have Hulu, but no, no easy way. And people will find a way when it's piracy is the, still the easiest way. That is when the people distributing this kind of content should be looking at that going. We could do better because, you know, with all the software and I've come to the point now, maybe 20 years ago or more, it was, you know, I can't afford anything. So, you know, I, you got to steal because if you can't afford and you want to use it. Oh, but, yeah. It, when when you're when you're really young, that's always been true. That was true. I had my period like that. You had yours. At some point, you're like, okay, I'm an adult now, and it's worth it for the peace of mind to have legit, and also I have money now. Yes, and it just works, and you don't have to worry about it stopping working at some point. You don't have to worry about. Uh, I mean, one of my favorite was uh, back in the day. One of the CD burner programs and it was the big one i'm now it's funny i can't remember what it is i've been using cd burner xp now for so many years but the paid cd burning program xp yeah i mean that's still the name it's great that that should tell you and it's open it's open source works fine and all this but there was a there was a paid cd burner now it wasn't roxio nero yes i have no name it was nero nero was yeah nero was huge and what they did if you had a cracked version pirated version of it 
was everything looked like it worked, but the CD was nothing but white noise. So if you thought you were burning the latest, you know, ABBA CD and you put that into your CD player, oh, you yeah. Which, oh, people got so pissed over that because CDs <laughs> cost like a dollar each. Yes, yeah, the blanks. <laughs> The, the blank ones uh-huh so i mean that was their way and i thought that was kind of funny and uh you know you, you look for other products and uh, when there are open source things that do this is where those kind of companies lose out because i think nero at the time i think cd burner xp was a thing at the point and it's like well this is open source software it burns cds well i could either pay nero the 50 bucks or whatever they want or i can use the free open source software and I went to the free open source software, but you I thought it was a old, great thing to do. That's standard. You know, you're old just having optical discs these days. I know. I mean, I still have some and I've been trying to not for the last couple of months, but there was a while when I was going through a lot of the bootlegs because hard drive space used to not be cheap. This is the opposite. Yeah. Back in the yeah, day. For, for a long time, uh, a stack of CDs was way cheaper than hard drives. So you'd archive everything to CDs. Yeah, and I thought it made sense, especially when it was audio, and it's like, well, I'll be playing this on the CD player in the car at home, and I just want to play CDs anyway, except then you realize how real the CD rot problem is, how real the the fact that the ink that they were using in these CDRs wasn't always the best, especially if it was oh, cheaper yeah. CDRs. That, oh, my God. I, I I have a story about that, but go on. Well, I was just going to say, a lot of these I've been trying to recover that the data just isn't there anymore. I mean, the beautiful thing is for the artists that I was collecting that the CDs are mainly of, which are Springsteen and the police and the stray cats and that there's enough of a fan base where you can then find those shows to redownload quite often in better condition. Cause now that the internet is such a thing, I mean, it used to be, we were trading cassette tapes and you didn't know, if you were getting a cassette directly off the master tape or if it was a copy of a copy of a copy and you start realizing once everybody start getting their stuff online, what the better sounding one were. So, I mean, it, it's not a complete loss, but I still have some stuff that I have not refound. So it's always a case of and it's interesting because you could put it in my current machine and it's not going to read it. Now, if you go throw this into the HP laptop that I threw Linux on, that's like 20 years old. Sometimes that drive will read it. So it, it all depends <laughs> on uh, your hardware, too. Oh, yeah. My CD rut story is uh, uh, during during my college period when I was uh, siphoning, I, I, I was actually writing batch files that would go out to the the wide open college network where every single person who plugged their computer into the dorm network was automatically exposing their hard drive to the entire college which nobody, first of all, nobody really thought about computer security back then because it hadn't really occurred to people to really fuck with each other. So <laughs> it was it was the Windows 98, Windows 2000 days when you, you, everything was open. You just plug your computer in and, and it would create your slash slash computer name slash drive as an open share for everybody if you knew what you were looking for. So I yeah. would write batch files to scour everybody else's hard drive looking for MP3 files. And I built quite the collection. It was quite popular amongst the fraternity people because we had big parties. We had the the huge six foot stacks of speakers that were playing MP3s via a 3.5 millimeter cable running to the other room that was plugged into the back of one of the guy's computers that was streaming the MP3s from my hard drive. 
um, it, it was it was a very very advanced setup at the time. That's hardcore. Well, I, I talked about doing that with. Uh, I think it was before it was Xfinity. I think it was still at home, which maybe was owned by AT and T way back when. That all you had to do, and it wasn't hard to find out what your forward facing IP address was, as you can do now. You would take that, and you know the way IP addresses work. You just tried everything in your little subset. So there was 250 whatever maybe possible addresses, and you would just run through those. And if you found one that was a computer that was on, quite often you got to look through your neighbor's computer and see what they had. Karma King, they wouldn't let me near the radio station. I had a little bit of a reputation as a hacker already. Yeah, you you always have a little bit of a reputation. Yes. Uh, yeah, Blue Deuce says all shares were admin shares. That is exactly how it worked on Win98. Um, I mean, sometimes you could intentionally expose a share, but really what that meant was that you gave a particular folder a, a friendly name on the network, and it showed up when you did a casual scan. But everybody's hard drive had the C dollar sign share, and that was pretty much where you found everything. But uh, anyway, the story is I had built up this collection and because i was the one who went out and spent money on the hard drive um i uh i had the big drive and so everybody just took off of my computer which was fine because even back then i left it on 24 7 but when i was leaving for the summer i needed to uh people were like we need we need the music collection and i'm like but i'm taking my computer with me because i only have one computer i want it at home yeah and so what I ended up doing was we went down and and the the chapter house purchased as as out of fraternity funds a big spool of a hundred blank CDs <laughs> and we went through and I went through and burned uh, I think it took something like seventy or eighty CDs and and this was data CDs with MP3s on them not not CDR that only held an hour of music each um, I burned the entire collection to a big spool of CDs. And we just stored it in the spool and made sure to alphabetize and everything. And I'm like, okay, here is all of the CDs and people would, you know, it was because it was alphabetized. You could, you know, put in, you want one artist. They're probably all on the same CDs. Anyway, I left the spool there thinking, okay, great. So this is, uh, you know, this'll, this'll take anybody who wants it can go ahead and grab whatever files they want. So on. Right. It's a glorious backup. I left and my hard drive crashed oh. while I was away at summer. So that spool suddenly was the only method that I had. And and this wasn't actually true because I found out later that one of the other guys had, had downloaded the entire collection. Thank you, because we didn't lose it. But the guys who had kept the spool of CDs left it in a window Ow! for a month straight where the sunlight was shining on one edge of every CD. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, corrupted the data on every single one of them. The whole collection was worthless by the time I came back. And I'm like, hey, I, you got that spool. I need to rebuild my collection. Oh, yeah, about that. Yeah, boss, it's right in the window, boss. Yeah, it's right it. there. <laughs> Getting some light. Like CDRs and light. No, no, not not the light, not the sunlight. Anyway, OK, a little bit finicky. Those discs are there. We have any experts today. We do have some experts. And then we have a story on crypto, which is good. Uh, I like stories on crypto. We I also need uh, yeah. I, go go on with the experts because I actually need to uh, I, I need to let some coffee out. Oh, when they get some new coffee then, that we can get. Yes, new out. coffee might help, too. Yeah, new coffee can help. Trolls, there's the thing. When coffee goes in, 
coffee or, goes out. Or entertain the trolls for a minute, and I'll be right back for the experts. Oh, okay. We can entertain the trolls. Maybe we can tap dance here. Yeah, you know, Karma King, you're right. Should have used some uh, TDK SAX 90 tapes. I mean, I was a fan, personally, of the Maxell XL2s. I still got a bunch of those. I've always thought those sounded best. And I have a lot of those that I played with on a Tascam four-track cassette recorder, which was a lot of fun back in the day, back before we had these beautiful devices that we're using now with professional microphones, the Motu, the multi-channel audio that can be done. The way I was uh, playing around, you know, playing guitar, writing songs, doing stuff like that was on the Tascam four-track. So... You actually had to put a cassette tape in, and if it was a 90-minute tape, well, as you know, that means each side's 45 minutes. Now, if you want to use all four channels, I mean, you're not flipping the tape over. You're using them all in one direction, the way tape was meant to be. Well, then you only had 45 minutes, and then if you wanted the best fidelity you could, it was running that at twice the normal speed. So that 90-minute tape gave you about 22 minutes uh four track recording goodness but it really did sound good and no i was never cutting them up with uh, that's that's almost enough for a single grateful dead out or song one song yeah yeah i was never doing the editing with the razor blades and stuff like that but that just shows you how far we've come now that uh you know going back to a few years ago with my buddy tom when we recorded all of his music and then he took it to a professional guy that has worked with people like uh Brian Wilson and John Mellencamp and was able to just tweak the multi-track recording and the end result was just fantastic. I mean, back when we were using these four-track cassettes, you never dreamed of getting that kind of fidelity. I do also have an Ampex reel-to-reel blue douche, so I got to go. I have to look at that. My buddy Tom left it here and I think the thing's worth uh, a pretty penny and he said, you know, it just needed to be uh you know, lubricated, maintained, that kind of thing, because it's an old semi-pro. And, and Tom's uh, probably not ever going to ask for it back. No, and I asked his wife, I'm like, do you want it? She's like, no, which it's not the fact that it's worth money. I guess he had a, a few of them, and they each weigh like a 1,000 pounds. I mean, that's exaggerating a little bit, but they are not light machinery. And if you don't have a reason to have them, I mean, they look pretty, but, uh, you know, you got to have the, the bright tape, and you got to know what you're doing with them. but. I mean, I've, I've been tempted to get that thing working and do a, uh, you know, a podcast direct to analog tape to reel to reel. I mean, that think old school there. Only people with reel to reel can get a copy of the podcast. So that would be like Blue Douche and uh, and me. So I mean, that would be a yeah. very limited. Uh, it'd be a very limited distribution like, of Sorry, the show. Not making the chapters because I'm not buying that hardware. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a little bit harder to figure out the chapters. But so we should thank some experts. Yeah, we oh. do have number one and today. By the way, you're you're going to cut out all the part about me having to get up and pee because it would be embarrassing to me. And you're a nice guy, right? Well, no, but it was all good content about the oh. tape and all that. So and no, well, I mean, we were covering it up very well. But now, I mean, you're shining more light on it. I mean, oh, we know sh- you're trying to get over your so coffee addiction. So we have some addiction. experts today here. Do we? Oh, yes, we do have some experts. This will be a very clean cut right here. People, won't, they won't hear anything before this. The show will I'll basically start here. With a executive producership today coming in at 7227, our friend Cal from LavenderBlossoms.org, who included a note that said, 
my acres are about to go in full bloom. Now, I mean, I'm thinking that's property he has, not like his a- acres. A- yeah, I, I didn't know. Uh, he said, okay. pack up your wives and come visit. Exclamation question mark. OK, then. See you uh, soon, Cal. So you- Cal wants us to come visit. Wait, wait, Cal is where again? California? No, no, no. He is in uh, Michigan. Michigan. That's right. Which uh, I mean, it's not Detroit. So, I mean, you're a little safer, although you could kind of double down on this because douchebag Pat, net Ned, there's a lot of guys in the Detroit area that for some reason want us to, to enter the Detroit area. I'm, I'm thinking we might need bulletproof vests. They say they'll protect us. And I believe them kind of. Um, but, you know, we're, we're, we're the bulletproof vest. Uh, but Cal is outside of uh, somewhere in yeah. the beautiful Michigan area, and he makes I, some delightful honey. I, I don't know I if this saw, is the time now for the honey, but the honey is great. Well, I don't think bees stop during the summer, so uh, I, don't, I, I don't know when, when you... I think that it, it's the growing season, so of course bees are going to... It's harvest I don't know, time. I, you know what? Come to think of it, I know nothing about honey. I should probably not speculate. I will say, uh, my wife was walking around here um for the last few minutes and if she's around she would probably love to thank sir cal herself because um she is she has got to the point where uh using his products are sometimes one of the few ways that she gets through some days so yeah it uh, works it she's a huge fan yeah my dad's been putting it on his back i mean the doctor said well somebody recommended this cbd oil that victoria's secret makes and i'm like no no that stuff's gonna be crap you need well, I don't know if it's crap, but it'll be too expensive. Well, maybe. And it's not going to be put together in the same way as the stuff that Cal does. And it works. It absolutely works. The CBD salves. So if you're in the mood for stuff like that, check out LavenderBlossoms.org. Cal's a good guy. He's been supporting the No Agenda podcast for a long time, supporting our podcast. And uh, everybody that I know that's tried his stuff, I've never had a use for him. And I keep knocking on wood when i say that because you know if you need his stuff it's not fun you know if you have arthritis or whatever aches and pains and this stuff is like magic i mean that don't quote me on that i don't make buying decisions based upon me but from the people that i know that have tried it is absolutely excellent stuff so thank you for your support cal we appreciate it and 7227 it's a palindrome um i don't know if there's any more to it than that except that uh, Carlton Fisk was one of my favorite all-time baseball players, who, of course, when he played with the Boston Red Sox, wore number 27, and when he came to the White Sox, wore number 72. So maybe. Okay. So, of course, you would go to baseball. It works for me. (laughs) I would. And I have a whole new baseball uh, non-rant, probably on uh, Random Thoughts next week. But that's the right place for baseball talk. It had nothing to do with Major League Baseball, really. I mean, well, it kind of did. They finally did the right thing, but that's rare. Oh, coming in next on the list, though, another anonymous crypto donation. Oh, okay. This is a 17.17. So 1717 ADA Cardano, which at the time was worth like twenty six sixty five. What it's worth today. I don't know. I didn't look. It's been been pretty stable lately, though. The Cardano has been. But no note. So thank you, anonymous. But of course, I still don't know because I only have one wallet. I mean, this could all just be rolling in for random thoughts. And I'm just being nice and putting it into the to the grumpy old Ben's fund here. Which like, again, Sir Gene is the only one who would do that. Oh, well, see, he does. I mean, Sir Gene loves crypto. He loves random thoughts. 
and he loves sticking it to the Bembros. I know he was afraid of your wife. So, I mean, that could be Sir Gene. So, if Sir Gene, if it's you, just reach out to me. You know, we'll, we'll take care of this on the down low. <laughs> we won't. I won't. I won't tell Lisa. I, you do what you want with your with your ill-gotten gene gains <laughs> as long as I get my vig. Your Ill, ill-gotten gene gains. Is, is that a new podcast? Maybe. That's, that's a show title. Yes. Ill-gotten. I don't know. I don't know if it's a title for this show, but it's a title for something. <laughs> I like the yeah, ill-gotten gene gains. He'll be like, is that about me? I, I should probably type this out here. Just so, otherwise, no, I'm going to forget no, it's, it. It's best that you don't. Okay, I won't. The uh, So thank you, Anonymous. Uh, coming in at 25 bucks. I think this is a monthly from Sean McCune. No note, but uh, we appreciate your support. And our buddy Bacon Dude comes in with five Cardano. Was worth 782 at the time. What it's worth today, I don't know. He says, if one is easily triggered by the discussion of alternate means of providing value to others while using the value for value model, I shall use this alternative currency of value to present value to GOB. Yeah, this this goes back to the zealots being See, mad. My, my, my evil plan worked. Yes. Yes. This goes- also, why am I the one being accused of being easily triggered? I'm not the one who sent a buttload of angry notes because of no, one no. little nitpicky. He said if one is easily triggered. So he's talking about the, the zealots oh, oh. being triggered by what we say. Okay, that's fine. He says, well, so, now I'm being triggered by being compared to the zealots and being accused of I'm being triggered by being accused of being easily triggered. OK, yes, let's, let's roll with it. He says, why? Because the freedom of my choice has presented you a conundrum. Your trolling made me want to use crypto. Keep thinking of GOB. Never stop thinking of GOB. I paid them using Cardano and you can't stop me. Smiley face. I like that bacon, dude. You show <laughs> those zealots. You are going to yes. support grumpy old Ben's whether yes. they like it or not. For all the people who are triggered by our hesitancy with crypto, apparently we're we're being hesitant against our will. I, yeah, I'm we, not, we use crypto. I mean, I don't yeah. think that's any. Uh, I don't seems think. to be. I and I don't think either one of us is has ever said, "Hey, you know, this whole thing is is stupid." Or yeah, like we're not anti crypto, but I. I I can't get on board with the the religious fervor that I see out there of people saying, of course, this is going to, you know, be there forever. You know, I, I don't know. I just I, I'm 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 a professional tester and a professional grump. And I every single time that you show me your brand new, shiny, beautiful thing, I'm going to point out the warts. It's what I do. Yes. And we saw the warts big time. In El Salvador, there's still fallout from that, and it's a story we'll continue to be following. But we do work on the value-for-value model, which means we put the shows out there. There's no paywall. We don't charge anything up front. We don't strong-arm you. We might just call you trolls or you know, not experts or script kiddies or something like that. But it's up to you. If you got value out of the show, you go over to grumpyoldbenz.com slash donate. You decide what that amount is. In today's case, number one, Sir Cal of lavenderblossoms.org came in with 7227 why i don't know he knows and it's a mystery and we like the mystery you pick a number that's good for you you click yes. one of the donate buttons you use one of the qr codes for the bitcoin or the cardano or the ethereum or whatever other cryptos are up there and you can use the p.o box address if you want to go the snail mail route all of those are very much appreciated oh you know what there was one more and we 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 need the mystery. So for the love of God, don't tell us. For the right, well, wait, no, we don't want to know. 
We don't want to. I forgot. Well, we well, did, you, you said we like the mystery. We do have an envelope, too. I forgot. To oh, open my this gosh. Up. Um, so we do have an extra donation that came in via the P.O. Box. I was telling you. Go you sure the that's PO not box. a subpoena? <laughs> oh, 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 geez. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got to go. No, this is our, our expert, Betty Solero, coming in again with $6.96 to the grumpiest damn podcast in the universe. And we appreciate it. I almost forgot that. See, sometimes you got stuff in so many different places, but snail mail works. It's a, today's, oh, yeah. a, today's another beautiful example. We it, had it's, PayPal, it's not- we had snail mail, and we had crypto. Yes, I, I really like the snail mail. It doesn't have the immediacy that you get from a lot of other things, which means that it's kind of fallen out of favor in the, the, the gotta have it instantly generation. But I'm not in that big of a hurry. And it has the huge advantage of not paying 5% or more to some, uh, somebody who, who is, is raking in dough just for the service of, of taking money from one side and handing it over. To, uh, yeah. Yeah. And people I, get mad when you talk about that, when it comes to crypto, because the yeah. fees are a big deal. I mean, it's, I was theoretically talking about PayPal, but yes. it absolutely well, it applies to crypto. The fees are a hell of a lot higher. Yeah. I was going to say PayPal seems like a walk through the park, what they charge compared even with the, uh, the Podfathers podcasting 2.0 lightning nodes. There's been talk, you know, about the amount of fees that are being charged just for processing these things, and they they need to oh, get yeah, down. Yeah. We're we're making some Bitcoin miners very, very, very wealthy by <laughs> creating this podcasting 2.0 thing. It is, uh, if it works correctly, it will uh, it'll make it easier for people to not need the middleman, but it's going to take uh, cutting out. Some of the ability for people to take fees in the interim, and uh, I don't, I don't know where we are in, on crypto as a whole when it comes to that. I'm sure the zealots will let us know we're doing something completely wrong, but I guess we'll see. We oh yeah, see. yeah, we'll be, we'll be fact checked uh, probably within minutes of posting the show. But there was a story I had on crypto. Let me see where I had this. It was uh, kind of interesting. Are you sure this is wise? Yeah, well, it is because it's about security and it's okay. about the uh, one particular wallet maker, which now there was a decision they made, which I thought was a little bit insane. And that is uh, here's the story it was on bleeping computer. Criminals are mailing altered ledger devices to people in order to steal uh, their crypto. What? Uh, so hold on. How, do, how does this attack vector work? Somebody sends you something in the mail and you just plug it into your network and put all your money into it. Well, Ledger is a company that makes the hardware wallets. And oh, okay. So this, and you would wonder, are, are they spoofing the sending address or they're taking a hardware wallet that they are adding to. And they broke right. this down and found out that basically all they're adding is a normal USB drive into this. If you've ever seen a hardware wallet for crypto, it basically looks like a USB drive, except it's not. In yeah. this case, they've added a USB drive alongside the wallet capabilities, and it's being sent out to people with a note, even though it's the usual. And this is the funny thing. 
because it's obvious they spent some money on this. They took what appears to be real ledger wallets or they've recreated the ledger wallet. They have added in the extra bit of the USB drive. They've packaged them up in what looks like a retail ledger box. They come shrink wrapped, which I mean, again, people shrink wrap. Anybody could buy a shrink wrap and a shrink wrap gun. Just let you know. Um, They send these things out with a note, much like you would get from your Nigerian prince friend, which is filled with grammatical errors and all that. But the gist of the letter they're sending with is, oh, the ledger hardware wallet you have bad, big problems. We had to redo different thing. And here you should now switch to this one. And I mean, I'm just paraphrasing, but uh, uh, okay. I was going to say, if you're reading from it, like if I got a note that said that I, I no, you'd be like, oh yeah, that sounds perfectly fine. I mean, some people I mean, want, the, we talked about what people will just go. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. The, the advice that is given any time that you get a, an unsolicited mail from somebody claiming to be your, your bank or your credit card company or, or anyone you have a, a relationship with. and they want you to do something or they say, Hey, there's a problem and you need to do this. Like if, if you get something from your credit card company that says, we noticed that there was fraud on your account, please sign into this website. Then the first thing that you do is you don't never click on the thing that comes in their mail. Always go back to your last statement and dial their customer service number or or log into their official website and go from there and see if you can find any reference to this. Because if you can't or you get someone on the phone, you'd be like, hey, did you detect anything? They might be. No, we have no idea. Did you what did you receive? And that's because people scam each other this way. If I, I was trying to figure out the attack vector on this and if if somebody is sending out real devices. And then sending a note that like if they're sending a note that looks professional and looks real, I can see how people get taken in. If they're sending a note that's got all the misspellings of your standard 419 scam, then like it feels like there's a whole lot of wasted money on a shrink ray gun or uh, yes. a shrink wrap I mean, that <laughs> and the hardware, you know, and the hardware that looks like it's the full ledger wallet in the retail box. Like, yeah. I understand with the 419 scam that you you only want to get the people who are dumb enough to get your scam. But those people don't have any money in crypto. Yes. Yes. And, you know, the concept here is in order to move to this new safer wallet, that's why they're sending it to you because you're a ledger customer and the old thing bad. So you need to take your recovery key. You know, that list of words we talked about that on one of the oh, previous. Yeah, yeah. the one shows. that you should keep safe and never, ever give to a scammer. Yes. Now, what this is doing with the addition of the extra stuff they've added to this hardware wallet. When you enter that, that's being sent to the scammers who can then put that into a different device and steal all your crypto. And my first question was, well, how do they know who owns these crypto yeah. wallets? And but, how do I get on this? Because I could totally use some new hardware to play with. And bleeping computer, I'm, I'm kind of going to call them out here because this is the third to the last paragraph of the thing. And we've always talked about, you know, the stuff that seems to get buried in stories. And in the third to the last paragraph, quote, these scams increased in frequency after the contact information for 270,000 ledger owners was posted on the raid forums hacker forum in December of 2020. So there well, was that's a leak. A detail. Yeah. 
there there was a leak and that's what people are doing with the information to be like well who cares but they know you own a crypto wallet well if they're willing to spend money and they can you know they can fool you into thinking that this is legit i mean this i just don't understand why they didn't hire somebody with an english degree to write the to write the letter because that is seems to be the uh the biggest way to detect this was a scam you know and besides the fact that there's no free lunch do you really think any company is going to send you a free piece of hardware because the old one was bad i think that they might but at the same time you need to verify that by communication with the company if you have a relationship with any company you need to understand at the beginning of the relationship what are your official lines of communication with them and that is what you use to verify whether or not the the too good to be true thing you just got in the mail is is accurate is is legitimate yeah um when you brought this up, I wasn't exactly certain what a ledger wallet, and I was trying to figure out before you had said the word USB key. Um, I was like, what do the, what do these things look like? So I'd gone to ledger.com to find out what it is. At the very top of it, there is a, a big box that says, beware of ongoing phishing campaigns. Scammers are targeting ledger customers. Learn more. So of course I clicked learn more and, uh, it, it's only one paragraph. Phishing attempts are targeting ledger companies. Customers are unfortunately all too common threat when using the internet, yada, yada, yada. But, um, one of the stats that they pulled up, phishing websites shut down since October 22nd, 392. Wow. That's, I, I, I don't know if that's just like back end or, but, uh, that is a lot of people targeting these customers. So if you've got a hardware wallet, safeguard your stuff i mean really especially you know there's no fdic in bitcoin if if you are dumb enough to hand somebody your key phrase the the 20 word whatever it's gone there there's no government agency who's going to swoop in and be like oh well we're sorry you got taken here's your fraud back oh it's gone why (laughs) do you hate stuff why do you hate bitcoin i don't understand why you hate bitcoin so much you're always so negative I don't hate Bitcoin. I hate the people who use Bitcoin. You should know that by now. <laughs> and I can only imagine in this case, if you have the data from 270,000 people, you're not going to send out 270,000 of these packages. But my guess is maybe these ledger owners, if their email address, I'm assuming, was included, they got, oh, take a little survey here well, for ledger owners. And the well, first one of the questions be. would be. How much crypto is stored on your wallet right now? <laughs> well, what I'm wondering is what what was in that data leak? Because one thing that I can totally imagine being in that data might be something simple like your wallet ID. And if you've got that and the public blockchain, you know how much every one of them has. It says it was a website vulnerability which allowed threat actors to access customers' contact details. So, yeah, getting okay. your contact details is I'm, not I'm, good I'm, if if you can use that to get to somebody's public wallet id and, and every wallet is public the only thing you don't know is who it, who's attached to it so if if this database attached to that then all they need to do is is run a query against the blockchain and be like okay well these wallets have a lot and these wallets have nothing and these wallets have been lost well i don't know if they have that well it but, says yeah, that it's easy to find the whales they had a text file that was gotten you know as part of this uh, hack ledger orders only dot text which contains sensitive information 
names, mailing addresses, and phone numbers for 272,853 people who had purchased the device. So, uh, and, and even with just names, there's enough other databases out there you can cross reference to, to connect somebody to uh, a database or to an account. So, yes. And right. the phone number is big too, Wallet. because you could get a text, yeah. you know, like, Oh, you were, this is ledger, do this. And people fall for that stuff all the damn time. So, yes, if you've got one of these hardware wallets from Ledger or anyone, beware that people are always trying to separate you yeah. from your money. Let's see. Here's here's some advice from the Ledger site. Never share the 24 words of your recovery phrase with anyone under any circumstances. I feel like we could stop there uh, because <laughs> if, you're, if you're if you're ever handing those that out. It, yeah. Even with Ledger or what you think is coming from Ledger, Ledger will never ask for them. You should never enter them into anything but your device. Uh, only use the official download page. Uh, oh, yeah. Never validate a transaction if you are not the author of the transaction. What? No. Ledger cannot and will not deactivate your device. Always make sure you interact through Ledger's official channels. Yes, I said that. Uh, we'll never contact you via text messages or phone call because your your phone number got out there. Yes. Yeah. And they know you're a ledger owner. Uh, actually, if I dig in here, um, they they have a lot of details on ongoing phishing campaigns, including uh, screenshots, descriptions. This is I'm going to drop this into the show notes because this is this is uh, some good stuff. Well, this is a big part of where the people that are scammers are looking. Because so many people are into the crypto. Not only that, as people keep pointing out to us, a lot of people that are involved in the crypto, no idea what they're doing or have very little concept of what they're doing. Everybody's used to the banking system the way that, you know, as you said, well, somebody scammed me. Somebody's put $10,000 on my credit card. And then the credit card company goes, okay, you're not responsible. Well, when it comes to a crypto wallet, it works. Yeah. Yeah. With the crypto wallet, if somebody's got your money, unlike what the FBI tells you, unless you it's don't. an FBI honeypot, it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. If somebody's got your money, then you don't. Right. Yes. It's somewhere else. It is not in your possession and it doesn't magically come back. There is no loophole. There is no safety net. You don't reconnect yourself with that money. It just doesn't happen. And if you're playing around with large amounts of large amounts of cash and you've got it on something like one of these hardware wallets understand that your only safety net is that list of words which will save you if your ledger device or whatever hardware wallet or you know even with these uh you know with the software i think it's the same way as long as you have that recovery phase phrase can't speak you are able to get back into that account and get the money. Unlike, you know, hey, you could throw that USB looking thing out a plane window and it's lost forever. As long as those people don't have that recovery phrase, you're fine. You can get another device, put that on there and you can get your money back. But if you lose that recovery phrase uh, list, you're never getting it back. And that's uh, Or, or if you plug that list into a fake device. Right. Well, that's it. And if you plug that list, if you put it into a fake device and then give it the list, it's like, oh, well, I'm just trying to get my account on this new device that I just magically got in the mail. And then then you wonder why. I would bet you it's within seconds 
that that list yeah. is over to the hackers. They're oh, no putting, doubt. And it's it's done. They have they, they they've already got the scam ready, just waiting to plug in a list of people to to send it to. They'd be yeah. just sitting there at their computer like, ah, we got a hit. Yeah, I think I think in the troll room phone boy just summarized the entire story. People are dumbasses and fools. We just keep finding new ways to prove it and part them from their money in the process. Yeah. Phone boy, we're glad you're on our side, man. Let's scam yeah. some people out of their money by doing podcasts. Yes. 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 That's what we're trying to do here. <laughs> it doesn't work I as have, good. As well. I have a story that I teased last week and we ran out of time. So now that we're out of time this week, I'm going to bring it. All right. Um, and this has to do with uh, the Samsung SmartThings V1 Hub which is shutting down on the 30th of June. And what is Uh, this? I mean, is this something to do with their phones or is this? Do you, okay. um, Do you remember back in, uh, I want to say around 2014 when everybody in tech lost their mind over the idea that you could have a Wi-Fi connected light bulb? Yes. Um, The, you know, the, the earliest iterations of these things, every single company had their own proprietary protocol. Every company would only work with, with devices of their own company. And so if you got a, a light bulb from one company, that company had to also provide you a, an appliance somewhere that connected it to the Wi-Fi, that connected it to this and that and allowed you to control all of them. And if you got, if you tried to mix and match from different companies, it became a real mess. So early on, uh, they created a couple of protocols for controlling an entire house worth of devices. Uh, two such protocols were Zigbee and Z-Wave. Uh, right, right. Well, SmartThings, which was created in 2012 for the purpose, I, I, I thought that they had developed one of these protocols, but I didn't have that information. Um, but they created uh, the SmartThings Hub, which was designed to be it wasn't uh it wasn't attached to any particular vendor for devices it was the device that you put near your wi-fi or plug into your ethernet or whatever that controlled all of the smart stuff in the house because uh, putting a light bulb on wi-fi wi-fi takes actually quite a bit of power and can send a lot of data and is very powerful and if if every light switch in your house is connected to wi-fi you're using up a lot of ips and you're using a lot of power and especially if you've got a device that runs on battery, your batteries don't last very long if they're connected to Wi-Fi because of the electricity requirements. So uh, these other protocols were much lower power protocols that only send a few bytes at a time because that's all you need for the control scheme. Um, and that's why you needed a hub for this was it, it needed to be a, a, an access point for the Zigbee or Z-Wave protocol so that all of these devices can run on a double A battery for four months or, or a, a little coin battery for you know, forever and still be able to wirelessly connect. That was the idea. Um, smart things was purchased in 2014 by Samsung. Samsung is no longer making the smart things devices. So if you set up a full house, uh, automation system in 2014, and you had a smart things hub. Samsung is shutting it down. They are turning off servers. They are making it no longer work. And and I'm I'm not exactly sure the technical aspect behind it. I don't know if this is a matter of of creating another feature to shut it down or if they're just not uh, going to support uh, a server or anything. But if you have a V1 smart things system that runs uh, devices on Zigbee or Z-Wave, 
then your whole house is going to suddenly go back to the 1990s of unautomated where you have to manually turn your lights on and off and manually unlock your front door. Oh, my God. The humanity. I know it's going to be absolutely terrible on June 30th. If you haven't upgraded to the new version, um, Samsung has a, a new version of the hub, which is supposed to have some backward compatibility, sort of. Um, they are offering a migration for $35 to the V3 hub, which normally costs $125. So at least they're, they're offering a migration, but the migration is not great. There is no upgrade path. You have to unpair and repair each light switch, bulb, toaster, oven, etc. And, uh, this means going back and finding the manual for your <laughs> toaster or your bulb or whatever. And usually, I don't know if you've played with these things, but usually the system for pairing is uh, like unscrew three quarters of the way, wait seven seconds, screw all the way in and then uh, click, flip the light switch off and back on again and then unscrew it all the way and then turn it. You know, it's stuff like that. And yeah, so you're, you're going to have to you're really lucky if there's a like a reset switch that you could just yes. press and then it goes back into pairing mode, which is usually. They give you their own damn Wi-Fi spot and you have to connect to that and then do whatever through an app. So usually. Whatever, whatever the system is. And, and if for some devices, it's going to be very difficult. You know, the, the light switches are, are maybe the easiest where it's like turn off, you know, turn on for exactly six seconds, flip off on three times and then leave on for four seconds. And it will, uh, an led will pop up that says it's in pairing mode or something. And you, And this, by the way, assumes that the device even has an unpairing mode. Some of them don't. And if it doesn't have an unpairing mode and it has persistent memory, you might never be able to use that device again unless you can find a way to wipe out the the EEPROM or whatever is on there. But it was paired to him. I will only mate once. Yeah, most of them. I, I, I think a lot of them are going to have repair things, but you have to go find the manual, figure out it. And you have to do that for every single device in your house. There's no. No upgrade, no transition. No, you are going to be telling them to unpair from your current one. And you better do this before June 30th when it stops working and then pair it to the new one. So, but this, but this is all about convenience. Yes. And it's terribly convenient to do all. And you know what? It, it's theoretically been convenient for, uh, the last, what, five, seven, eight years to have your house that just knows what you want all the time. So this. This is what you, this is when you pay for the convenience. It's, it's like a deferred. It's like you went into a convenience debt. Congratulations. So if you have a Zigbee or Z-Wave device that is running on a Samsung SmartThings V1 hub, you have until June 30th or your house drops back into the stone age. I'd like that better as a show title too. Convenience debt. <laughs> I like that as, <laughs> I like that as a show title. I mean, that works. That absolutely works. Um, you know, I would like to say being an early adopter that the Amazon devices that I have are so early, they don't have Amazon sidewalk on them. So, I mean, there's that. Wow. That's a bonus. <laughs> yes, yes. We don't have to worry. I'm like, I want to try to turn this off. And then I went because I'm like, this isn't in the app. There, so I you're saying the sidewalk ends at your property line. It does. It certainly does. Although our, we just got a thing again from the local government in the area here that we have sidewalks in front of our house. Some places do, some don't, I understand. But we do have sidewalks in front of the house. Yeah. 
And are, they go, are you having to shovel the snow off of it right now? No, no, thank God. And I, I never do that anyway. You know, if I have the snowblower out, I'll, I'll blow them off. But the law is you can't block the sidewalk and your yeah. driveway. If you ignore the sidewalk, you can fit four cars in it easily. But, oh, yeah. If you pay attention to the sidewalk and you can't block it, maximum two. So I don't know the, the legality of you can't park in your own driveway because. Well, it, it, and and nobody is is sending cops around to go and, and check on that sort of thing. But if you have a Karen in your neighborhood. Yes. Yeah. You got to watch out for the Karens, man. You got to watch out for the Karens. But we have plenty of other stories. I mean, uh, one that just 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 needs to mention, which I thought was funny when it comes to the piracy stuff and Apple and. Uh, the the nice folks over at Google not really knowing what the apps are. I mean, we talked about this with all the dumb criminals that were being sold a concept that it looked like it was, you know, a calculator app, but then you had to press something in and then it would become their super secret control for them to send messages, but that was all being monitored by the FBI anyway. Well, it turns out, I guess there's a decent amount of apps on the Apple store, which again, we know they're saying they do their, their due diligence. That's why they're charging that 30%. There is a lot of apps that look like one thing that are another that I am. I am Jack's complete lack of surprise Uh huh. that. Oh, it looks like a Sudoku app. Well, okay. Yeah, it is a Sudoku app, but if you put, you know, seven, seven, seven or something into the little text bar, it opens up a whole like pirate Netflix looking type thing. And uh, it totally converts to your pirate TV and movie app. And uh, I think that's genius. But, I applaud this. Yeah, but it shows you how little Apple knows of the stuff that they are okaying. I'm guessing they just try it out quickly and take a cursory look maybe at the code. Yeah. I mean, how do you miss that there's a whole other payload inside there? And, and, you know, it's it's like one of those apps where if you put in the right 20 words, then your wallet gets emptied automatically. It's convenient. <laughs> yes. And it's yeah. Your money's gone. So, I mean, you don't once your money's gone, you don't have to worry about it anymore. It frees yes. you. It, it, it's it's uh, a mental health benefit. Well, I felt say, like a, felt you like no longer have to think about Bitcoin because you got none. Yes. I just felt like a Democrat saying that, like, hey, you just you'll own nothing. Yes. After this scam, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Yes. Free yourself of all of those monetary things. I mean, see, that's what happens when when they send in the package in the mail that has a, a ledger w- wallet stealing device and a bottle of, of narcotics. <laughs> oh, well, that sounds like something you could do in San Francisco or probably colorado but you can't work remotely you can't no, work remotely. not from colorado but hey we'll bring you more of this come monday along with our weekly look at the violent nature of the chicago area weekends i mean hey how many people will get shot get your guesses in on no agenda social will it be 10 people shot 20 people 30 50 what how many will be killed all of them well not all see no they're not that good it's not like we shot 50 50 are dead it's very disappointing when it's like 50 people shot have you seen the price of ammunition that would be a very expensive thing to try see now if you actually had gun control you would need less ammunition no well if if you could control it like if you don't miss right yes i agree 
Yes. Yeah. No, not 333 people will die, phone boy. Although it is going to be in the high 90s or at least the Three. low 90s. So it's going to be a hot weekend that you usually... are you talking the temperature or the deaths? Both. I mean, that does the temperature in Chicago, the hotter it gets, people get, te- you know, testy. So more people yeah. usually do get shot. But somebody posted a meme, which I know you love memes, which was like jogging in Chicago. Be like, and it oh, showed love- the bottom yes. of the shoe with the bullets. And, and you know, somebody well, asked just the casings. Yes. Right. And somebody asked me if I could verify that. And I'm like, I don't I'm a podcaster. I don't jog. And I like all they said, phone boy, come on in and test that out. And he's like, what, yeah. will, what will kill me first, the humidity or the bullets? I'm like, yes, yes. One of those. <laughs> so, I, yeah. Let's just say the humidity is so thick that some of it is lead. <laughs> the humidity. Well, see, the, the more humid it is, that actually slows the bullets down. So you have a higher rate of surviving that. This but. is, you know what? This is why you we clearly need to move to Chicago, where the humidity will save you. Yes, yes, it will. And we will save you on Grumpy Old Ben's. Just listen to our words. Follow us through the darkness, and we will set you free of your money, if you allow us to. GrumpyOldBenz.com slash donate. Until Monday, though, I am Darren O'Neill, and uh, coming to you live, still from a bunker. Deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I say, let the temperatures go up. And from America's left coast, where the sidewalk ends at the state line, I'm Ryan Bermose.